I'm switching right. hats for you, Neesman. There. No, keep it on. Do you hate the military? Keep it yeah. on. You can switch switch it later, but I will bring it up. I will congratulate <laughs> your. We are live. Your Just so you guys are aware, we we are streaming live. So oh, we are streaming she live. Is, she is not enjoying this. <laughs> Just insulted the city of Washington live. Look at that. We got Rick Chris like that. That was easy. Who's coming? This is a oh puppy dog. Comics. They don't. It's it's like the thunderstorm. These unruly fucking oh, no. crew we got here. Comics. Beer. I have a comics. You're listening to Around Comics. From Chicago, this is Around Comics, the comic culture podcast, where we talk about everything in and around the world of comics and comics culture. I'm your host, Mr. Christopher Neesman, and I'm joined by, uh, as always, uh, boy, I really tripped over that one, Sal. I'm joined by Sal. Sal, hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How how is everything? I'm I'm very (laughs) nervous because we have, have the most powerful man in comics. Yeah, tonight. right? Like, this guy is, uh, he's, he is a superstar of superstar writer of yeah, comics now. We, we told this him, we told him in the, in the, in the pre-show, it was the, the only thing that it, for him to ascend to all-star status was us to shut down the podcast, because we missed, <laughs> we missed his meteoric rise. This is yeah, true. That- we, we got to know him before he was anybody. He was just some schlub novel writer and you know haw- hawking some, some book at a council convention guy. yeah I, Ex- guys i seriously psychologically am having some problems with this entire podcast uh, <laughs> this, the, hearing your voices in my head is is uh, it's like the fucking uh helicopter in apocalypse now i'm just <laughs> i'm flashing the back uh, Did the from chicago get you uh, yes yeah the from chicago, from the, it, chicago. The, the in and around in and around come oh my uh yeah i uh am i supposed to start i i, I gotta give context um uh, so i started listening to podcasts uh in 2000 we, we should say who you everyone oh, out oh, there yeah, yeah, i'm, yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm telling you it's freaking me out so i'm trying to this is this is multiple multiple eisner award winner um multiple. amazing all-star mr tom king hi who the fuck is this guy no oh, jesus <laughs> You sound just like my wife. A lot of people wrote Batman. Impress me. Uh, <laughs> I wrote Elmer Fudd. Okay. Yeah, I work for the CIA. There it goes. Yeah, it's my wife. He my probably wife. he probably killed people for the CIA. I think your we husband can't. is very cool. <laughs> she doesn't care about you. She has a crush on Sal. That's the only reason she's here. I get it. He's a handsome man. I understand. My wife doesn't sense. think so, but you know. <laughs> Him and I have an agreement. Oh, this is a very hot podcast. I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's your favorite podcast? I was just downstairs telling my children my favorite podcast of all time is Around Comics. Woo! Uh, All all time Hall of Fame. Okay, we can end the show now. We can, that's it. We're good. Thanks. Thanks for dropping by, Tom. It's good talking with you. That's it. That's based on your product. 
from 2006 to 2009. So Shit. I don't know you guys might have totally fallen off. Of it's done nothing but gone downhill. Yeah, it's Dude, over. guys, when Scotty Young came on your podcast, I used to cuss at my fucking radio. Am I allowed to cuss now? I'm just, I, yes. I hated I hated Scotty. I hated <laughs> So do we. So do we. I, I, he's a friend of mine now. God knows he's a gloriously talented artist. But I fucking hated him on your show because I was like, I just want to listen to the originals. This guy thinks he's too cool. Just so he draws comments. Fuck this Scotty Young. <laughs> well, there was that's, a divide. You know, there was a there was a four divide there. I will well <laughs> it was you were not the only person. Who felt that way about uh, about uh, Scotty? But you know, it was uh, it was another out of the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was I was going to go there, but that's that's true. I love uh, him. No, uh, yeah, it, it was. A, it, we've had a lot of as we've been um, as we've been told by guys like uh, the iFanboy crew. We are more famous for our format changes than for anything we've done really in comic, you know, in podcasting. We just, so every, every time. So here's the the secret behind that. Every time there was a format change, it was, that was me trying to keep him interested in the. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All all the behind the scenes stuff. My mind is blowing up. Oh my God. I got it. The terrible thing, like, we never got a chance to hang out with you, you know, during that time and, like, drink and do stupid things. I slept on a floor next to this man. We did, and I was intimidated. I was too intimidated to talk to you. Literally, I could not. Fucking hilarious. I know. It was like, (laughs) if it had been Chris on one side and Brad Pitt on the other, you know, again, I would have been more intimidated than you, than Brad Pitt, because you... You guys were my pinnacle. You were my wow. When this I, is so I was I was in uh, um, so I was in Afghanistan, Pakistan border area, like like very much like this quarantined. I could only leave the house to go on raids and shit, and um, <laughs> to go on raids and shit. Yeah. So you had to you had to, you Nothing had to eat exciting. the time, and this is before. <laughs> and so like for the first time, I went on and I was like, because iTunes would do the podcast. I was I was too late. Sure, in sure, sure. But when they got added to iTunes. And I was like, I and I, I goog and I, 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 you know, I just typed in comics in the podcast, and you, I fanboy, and CGS were the ones that popped up. Sure, and we're I, balloon like, probably. And we're yeah, and we're balloon and Augie the Bleaks, like whatever mm-hmm. that was. Oh God, Augie, that's yeah. crazy. You got yeah, you it's, guys are um, the Godfathers, the Podfathers of comics. But uh, I liked yours the right. best. Yours I thought was the most professional. And you had the same format every time. I know it's ironic because you just said no. But. Well, it was a consistent <laughs> format until we changed it. So. Yeah. And, and then it was, was consistent. You guys were funny. Uh, Tom was literally, Tom literally is one of the, I know maybe but funniest. you guys hate him out there, but he was like one of the genius, first geniuses. I Like I was like, oh my God, this guy's, and I would listen to you guys. You would do summaries. Which I remember specific episodes. And I was, I was like third. I went back and listened to you from the beginning when you're still fumbling and figuring it out and then adding oh, people. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, I listened to you guys. You were my like, ultimate stress reliever when i was overseas I, so I you were listening to us home. when you were that means a lot you were yeah. uh in uh afghanistan you were listening to around comics to oh to... yeah i discovered you and listen yeah you were my wow. you were my safety place i cannot i owe you a debt of a life debt wow. if you ever like tom i need a kidney i'd be like all right fuck i have a kidney i swear to god you know it was it was, it was it, very, it's very emotional for in, me in, in a way <laughs> probably probably one of the one of the proudest 
things that I can look back on with, with the show is oh, you're not boy. the you're you're the only multiple Eisner Award winner that says they were you know overseas and 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 enjoyed the show. But we did get several that were in the military. Brian Bruce, I still am friends with on Facebook. He was um, on an aircraft carrier, and then he actually ended up uh, in Iraq. Uh, on the ground and he would send us messages and pictures from, uh, from the aircraft carrier of having like our around comics fly, you know, up in, in one of the, you know, one of the parts of the, and it, it, that, that probably affected me more than, than any fan or creator ever contacted us is whenever I found out that, that there were a lot, I mean, a lot of, of servicemen and women that listen to the show and, and would look forward to, because it was that time, time away that they could get from the crap that they were dealing with. I'm just, I'm just sad that we never got to do like a USO show, like a Bob Hope style, <laughs> you did. get the girls out there dancing and go out live and just sort of entertain the troops. Now that would have been something. <laughs> you went on a USO tour. I did. I went on a USO tour. I went oh, to Kuwait you did. and did a USO tour. Did you yeah. really? Yes, as the least famous person on the tour. Uh, you were writing Batman. No, no, I, it, I, every once in a while I'd find a soldier who knew who I was, but it was me, Jim Lee, and um, uh, uh, three actresses from the WB uh, who were amazing. And But yeah, it was, it was like, who are you? No, I want to see the beautiful young actresses move off the stage. <laughs> it was, I was not the star of this show, but it, it was incredible. It was one of the great experiences of my life. It was honestly like, it was also weird, you know, because I'd been in Iraq 10, whatever, 15 years before that to go back. You know, was there a moment of, oh, you got, you're sending me back there? <laughs> yeah, it was, there was a moment of like, like you'd go there and the old guys would be like, oh man, I remember my first tour in 2010. I was like, I was here in 04. How old am I? <laughs> it really made me feel like, I, I was like, man, this is a gender, like these kids, like you're seeing kids who were, you know, six years old when I was over here who are now here now. You're like, this is just, it's just a little fucked up in that way. But yeah, it was- How do you think we feel with the comic book podcast? It's like, we started in, oh, what, 06? Was wow, it way, to re- way to compare that, those two well, things. You no, know, but, but in a, in a weird man. way to bring it back to comics. <laughs> I know. You know, we, we were taught, when we first started the show, we were talking to a lot of, you know, up and coming creators that were doing their first work at like Oni or image or, you know, those kind of, you know, we were talking to guys like Matt fraction and Jason Aaron. My puppy has come to join them. Oh, Oh, there you go. (laughs) You know, so that was, you know, so, so it's interesting how we kind of like watched that sea change of comics where it was kind of going from the, Warren Ellis and Mark Miller and those guys were, you know, total, total stars at that point. And, and then it was the fractions and Aaron's and Brubaker's and, and those guys in, you know, Gail Simone coming up. And then by the time that we're leaving the, the show, the, the first time, it's like those guys were the established names. And there was like this Tom King guy that I remember meeting who had written this, this, he was pushing at comic conventions well for me it was see as a kid not everybody's like this this is why i was i like hid my comic book nerd when i was at school i like i I brought comics on the weekend 
And but I didn't have any friends. If they were into comics, maybe they read like one X Men a month, or mm-hmm. they read the GI Joe comic or something like that. But no one was like me, who was you know I was buying ten to twenty a week. I was buying back issues. I was taking my scooter two miles through L A to get to uh, my scooter. God, I was a nerd. Uh, <laughs> and and I just remembered like when I was a kid. It's not like now. I don't people understand, but you you could not tell someone you were into comic books. That was like something to be ashamed of. It was almost, especially like once you were past age of twelve. It was, it was oh, yeah. like at least it was, it was. Oh, you could sure. be beat up for that. It was uncool to be into comics. Well, you Even, were, you were so, you were SoCal, right? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm from West Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay, but now you're now obviously because of the hat. Which, congratulations! I wish we had given you better, like scored like three runs would have been nice. Not uh, only did we win the World Series, we won the last World Series. That means we're forever <laughs> champions. Oh boy, that's it. <laughs> Two years reigning. <laughs> Could be. Could. Um, but how do you end up East Coast? Because you went to, what, Columbia? Yeah, I went to, uh, so I grew up in L.A., a super comic book fan. I, uh, um, I gave up, com- I like a lot, I'm a 90s kid, um, or I guess 80s, 90s kid. And like everybody from my generation, I gave up comics like in 94, 5? yeah. Like, like right you after the you're like you're like us. You didn't know that there was still actually fucking Sal's a cockroach. You'll never kill him. He was buying. He's been. He never stopped buying comics. You, you never did. You were always. You've always bought comics. Um, I, I yeah. For the out, part, I didn't I, know that there was really good stuff coming out in the '90s. It was just the the Marvel and DC kind of the mainline titles really really sucked. Um, and I didn't I, find out the cool yeah. stuff in the '90s till mid 2000s. For me, it was almost it was for me. It's like it was it was that plus it was an economic thing where like my my parents had a, or my mother you know was a single mother no she would never spend a dime on complex had to be my money so like <laughs> when I got a car when I you know try had to take a girl out on a date like I just didn't have that ten dollars a week to spend on comics anymore sure. and uh, and so I dropped it um, until I hit college. But even though I went, but it was still influencing because I do remember deciding what college to go to and reading Frank Miller's, um, what is that stuff? Uh, whatever, The Man Without Fear and seeing that a daredevil went to Columbia and be like, mm, maybe that's the place to go. That's hilarious. I was like, if Matt Murdock went to Columbia. <laughs> maybe I could be a lawyer, you know, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's was, was there ever a book that you, that you, that you stuck with all the time? I know Sal, it's, you, you've, You've always bought Daredevil, right? I mean, yeah, Daredevil um, was like the first book that I ever started to collect, and oh. I've, I've, up until recently, I don't, I, I stopped buying the single issues after Bendis's run, pretty much. That was yeah. kind of when I stopped. Um, you mean stay for Brubaker? Oh no, I, I do. Have, yeah, yeah, I do. I did stay for Brubaker. Well, I'm in yeah. a Brubaker issue actually but yeah so i do i did stay for Bruce. i don't remember i i i'd have to go and look at my box because i still have it but um the reason he's in there we'll tell you off camera because it's a hilarious story (laughs) yeah you know i cannot wait (laughs) at the yeah that was the that was at wizard world right that is when around comics was born yeah that was a yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll tell you that story but yeah i i've always collected were, were you guys one of the mics in civil war was that that was cgs and i remember oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's what wait what 
No. I don't remember. We might have been. been on some, yeah, so the the mic, what you call it, um, the, the press mic flags. Yeah, I think we've been on some mic flags. I think uh, Mike Norton put us on some mic flags. Um, <laughs> the double mic. I was a uh, when when Matt Murdoch went to prison in Brubaker's run. I was a guard. Uh, oh, you got shivs or something, didn't you? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I think he did I come you, back. I think you got shivved. I don't know. You know, this brings up an interesting question. I want to know the answer to Tom is when are the Gotham Knights going to finally trade that fucking bum, Chris Campbell? When are they going to get rid of that guy? Because I'm That's sick awesome. of watching him lose, and <laughs> I just <laughs> every time I see that, I chuckle. Every time I see Chris Campbell mentioned as the as the terrible quarterback. Of the Gotham Knights, although there was a there was a moment where he was successful, but most of of his appearances he's been awful as a quarterback, and and like fans just yell at him and. Well, he's also a horrible him. person. Well, yeah, that's he's besides also a horrible the point. person. Yeah, yeah. He, he even appears in the Swamp Thing issue that I'm on the Eisner for. Yeah, he's the. Kid. I remember the first time I was writing that I was I didn't know what to write. I was like, I was writing about a quarterback and he sucked. I was like, oh, because you know Campbell. But so for people who don't know, Chris Campbell's a buddy of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, legally speaking, is not the basis of that character, obviously. But <laughs> no. coincidentally, well, he's a lawyer because coincidentally, he's will sue you. He was, <laughs> and, but he, he played wants- he played f- football in college, and will brag to you about his football. But he went to the smallest college in the world, like where you I don't see it because I. So here's he was the biggest guy at the college. This is how I would describe Chris Campbell. He is Frank Quietly's Clark Kent. <laughs> yes yeah from all-star is. superman 100 oh, he has this like huge chin and yeah that is he's just kind of hunched over and kind of bumbling but you know you can absolutely see him like going into a telephone booth and, and all 100%. of a sudden he's a superhero i mean 100%. that just kind of you know he if i didn't know he was from out east you like Dude, are you from kansas <laughs> he's that nice he's one of the people i met through i've been through well through you guys indirectly because I met him through the iFanboy party where I met you guys. That iFanboy party changed my life. 2013, I think. We hung. Which, we got God, really which, drunk there. Those those horrors were throwing so many parties. Which one was that? <laughs> uh, I all I remember. I, I, I think it was 2000. It was New York Comic Con 2013. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. You and I and and two other people ended up drunk outside slapping stories about restaurants or some shit is that the one where where we like bumped into mike myers we'll be back after a quick break do you ever wish you could sit in on a conversation with some of your favorite authors and listen to them talk about their writing process their path to publication and of course their newest novels hi i'm marissa meyer best-selling author of the lunar chronicles and i would love for you to check out the happy writer podcast where every week I talk with other writers about books, craft, inspiration, and how to bring a little more joy into our lives. The Happy Writer is available wherever you get your podcasts or find us on Instagram at Happy Writer Podcast. That sounds familiar. It was somewhere Jason Aaron showed up at the end with, with Joe Casada, and everyone's like, oh my God, everybody's yes. here. Yes, that one. Yeah. <laughs> And, we were uh, in Brooklyn. <coughs> yes. Yes, we were in Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, we went to what was the name of that comic shop in Brooklyn? Um, I can't crap. Uh, 
I, I imagine they're still there. Uh, great shop, but that's kind of where it started and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. yeah Nobody so throws a party like her on. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least and... he does something good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you guys throwing the eye fanboys. When you when you guys crapped out, I went all I fanboy, and they became my favorite podcast. Just you oh, know, my we love those guys, and and they do. They we have always had a long standing, faux, you know, adversarial oh, relationship with those guys. But it's, I mean, I I don't think there's a you know, I don't really have much respect for comic book podcasters in general. <laughs> Your own people. Yeah, no, I, I'm a self-hating <laughs> podcaster. You're a self-hating podcaster. <laughs> yeah. But those guys, you know, we've always liked those guys. And it's fun to, it's it's fun that they get it and, like, we can always kind of give them shit and they give us shit. And it's, it's yeah. there's no hard feelings. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's brothers from, I, I, I will text with ron all the time and i still keep in touch with josh connor i i every once in a while but uh yeah th- those guys are that I, I love them love all of them so suntress is an asshole i know everybody hates suntress he's, he's one of my best friends and i love him to death so go fuck y'all no john's john's uh you know john's great he's so he, as far as Chicago area, you you responsible for my friendship with John because the first time I heard him was on your podcast and I followed him to his podcast because he used to guest. Well, talk about an unwanted you guest. Know? I mean, if you want to talk about guys that we didn't want on the show and we couldn't get rid of, John was. <laughs> we never were on his show. Not once did we ever end up on never. John Suntress's show. But goddamn, he was on ours. Every weekend, there was John. Well, that was our fault for having it in a public place. This is true. This is true. Hey, you guys were getting some con- like Hillary Barda would show up, and oh, oh yeah, Hill was. It, that was so one of the most was, interesting. This is. I hate that this is the walk down around comics memory <laughs> lane. But this is what I love. With I you about, but that that era <laughs> of was so awesome. There was there was probably about a two year period where we're doing it at Dark Comics. You'd have, it would be Suntress, Mike Norton, Hillary Barta, Steve Seeley, Mike Hutton would would cruise in every once in a while. Um, Gene Hoff would pop in on Jeff Brown. Uh, it was. It, it became was a scene. It really did. Come in. I mean, and and the thing is, there were probably fifty or sixty episodes where there were huge comic book names in the show or in the shop that we'd be like, Hey, do you want to jump in? They're like, no, man, I just want to hang out here and have a beer and listen to you guys. So there was like this whole audience of, of people hanging out in the shop. And then at some point they would stop fucking caring what we were talking about. And there they'd be off in corners talking about this or that. And so it was like this every Friday get, it turned into a get together Friday for the North Side comic book community would show up there and we'd do our show and go out after the show and and have drinks and a bite to eat. It was a really, really neat time. It's yeah. I don't want to say time in my life, but we'll always, always, always look back on as being a really special time. And you kind of had to be there 
you know it was it was it was nuts it was in a small way like you know when when you go back and you you know read about music scenes or like some kind of happening it you don't realize it like when it was going on but there definitely was that on a small small scale there was that sort of like it, it became a scene like every friday night people would just show up and and mostly it was professional comp and for us it was this this bizarre thing because we weren't in the company we loved comics we weren't in the industry we had not contributed anything to the business of comics and yet <laughs> here we were i had said a, a long time ago it was like chris and i and tom went to a baseball game and then we got to hang, hang out with all the players afterwards that's what it felt like for us because you know we were like holy shit this is you know this is really crazy that these one anyone gives a shit what we're saying and and two like these people all are doing the things that we love and and they seem to actually you know have have some interest in what we're doing here so yeah it was always really you know it's it's still weird a guy like you coming on here where we should be talking about all the amazing things that you've accomplished <laughs> yeah, absolutely not no. You you want to talk about our stupid podcast that we kind 100%. of have done? And... 100%. All right. Wait, wait, wait. When I first got on Grayson, so when I first broke into comics, my first break in was uh, an editor pitched me for for Grayson number one. Okay. And he, and he came back and said, Tom, I can't offer you the gig. We, we, and, and I had to come with a pitch over a weekend. He goes, that's C2E2. And I threw it in. He's, he's like, I liked your pitch. I want to accept it. I need to use your first comic, so I need to give you a gig. Uh, but do you mind working with another established writer? He's like, I want you to work with Tim Seeley. And I was like, you mean from around comics? <laughs> <laughs> and my editor's like, what? <laughs> I was like, if he's been on around comics, he's okay with me. Let's go. That's wow. All right. Well, that is a hundred percent true. That's word for word. What I said. That's amazing. We had Tim on last week, and I'm going to email him and tell him you said that. <laughs> Tim's another great friend of mine, and it's responsible for my career, so blame him. But yes, that is 100 that He yes, said he hated crazy. every second of, of working with you on Grayson. I can feel that, yeah. No, I felt no, no, he was very he was very complimentary of it. It was interesting to hear about the process that you guys kind of developed doing that, and actually, it actually worked. I mean, it was kind of kind of like a blind date and you guys it actually worked but i knew him a little bit because i listened to him on your podcast <laughs> that is why that's why it worked it had, so we are the up. reason that grayson worked so well i cannot emphasize this i'm gonna say it a thousand i would not be in <laughs> comics today if it wasn't for you guys oh my god you guys you guys set my taste in the beginning if, if, if like i was reading i was like oh man this greg rucker sounds like the genius of ever the best writer of all time i'm gonna get everything he wrote <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, you got you had like you said there were the new guy like the first time I heard Jason Aram, you know, he was on your podcast or something. That's my that's my uh, that's my queen and country wall <laughs> over there. I remember you were inter- you were interviewing Rucka, uh, and you were a little fanboying out, and and, and oh, yeah, I went total a little, yeah, yeah, a little bit. That's, and, uh, and you guys were talking about like you're like this is what the CIA actually is really like. And Rucka's like, yeah, I got a source. This is what it's totally like. This is the hundred percent truth. <laughs> and I was out there on the CIA mission. And I was like, is there another CIA that Rucka knows about that I don't? I was like, this is nothing like one of my experiences. That's awesome. <laughs> That's funny. 
I remember um, him saying that. Yeah. I, I got a guy, but he'd, he'd have to kill me if I told well, his name. And it's been like, this, this guy is telling you some falsity. There, there is that amazing thing too. Like we did, I mean, and it was pure happenstance that, I mean, the reality was we couldn't really talk to big names in comics. They didn't give a shit who we were. And the reality, you know, we came to was like, well, we're not going to do anything for an X-Men book. We're not going to do anything for these big books, but there's all these little, you know, little books at image or wherever else, Oni and different places. And and we love that stuff. So it was, it was, it was was Colin Bunn who kind of framed that for us. He's like, you know, if you talk to, I forget who at the time was writing X-Men. <laughs> They've probably forgotten to. Yeah. If, <laughs> you know, if, if you guys have Chris Claremont on and, and that sells an extra hundred copies of X-Men, nobody's ever going to notice. But if you have me or, or Brian Hurd on and it sells 600 copies of Sixth Gun, that's a big deal. I bought Six Gun because I heard you. I bought Walking. I remember you guys being like, "There's this little book, Walking Dead." You know that <laughs> the, uh, I don't mean the if you guys like it, it's in black and white. I remember. I, so I, I remember. I was like, "Okay, I got to set because we could get for some reason we could get Amazon out there, so I could Amazon stuff. It took two months, but I could get mm-hmm. it eventually to us. And so yeah, I remember you 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 guys recommending Walking Dead. You guys recommending scalp you i mean yeah it was it that mid 2000s was such a huge boom because after sort of bendis came through and sort of paved bendis and brubaker paved the way mm-hmm. for this like new seriousness in common or you know it's the guys who were i, I call them sort of the alan moore schools the guys who had grown up on alan moore the way alan moore had sort of grown up on kurt swan and stuff so they sort of took that alan moore aesthetic of taking these characters seriously and cool and they just made the best comics guy what a good i, I see it's like there was like this weird mix of like alan moore and warren ellis Yes, and Warren Ellis, yeah. And so you had guys like Fraction that came out that are doing stuff like Five Fists of Science and then Casanova, you know. But then you also have guys like Jason Aaron who are like, I mean, he's Elmore Leonard for content. Yeah, that's a great comparison. Yeah, absolutely, Elmore Leonard. See, you're good at this. This is why I listen to you. Uh, You know, (laughs) we're still still kind of getting our groove back. So Sal just... Yeah. Wait. So you you said I could ask what happened to Tom? Does he hate you now? He became a lawyer or something. Someone told me, didn't he? No, no. Tom. <laughs> he went Tom, into the CIA. He was on the show. He was just on the show a couple of weeks ago. We he, we had him on, but and Tom, you had him children. Tom we had, had yes. children. Tom had kids. And oh, I have kids. It's the worst. I'm a Tom who had kids since I started yeah. listening. Here, this is the thing though. It's bullshit because back in the day when these two assholes didn't have kids and I had two kids I drove my ass out to the city of Chicago every Friday night to go to a fucking dank little comic book store and do this fucking podcast and now I thought it was a movement I thought you were part of a scene 5 minutes ago <laughs> He still bitched I about it I flip flop yeah I bitched all the time that's that's what I do um no i tom had kids and so here, here's he's tom's tech tonight i'll try to make it but my kids have lost their damn minds yeah so have mine and i'm here <laughs> see tom just... is tom versus still up on can you get that on itunes can i download that i was trying to describe what that was to my children i was like it's a guy monologuing about a comic for 20 minutes and it's the funniest fucking thing. usually a gardner fox comic. you can still get it i think at tomcaters.com. I think Tom you Caters. can download it there. I don't think he kept the feed 
through iTunes still uh, available. He might have, but I, I know that so, they're. Uh, I think they're on his website, TomCaters.com. Tom so is actually a, like a marketing Fox, guy now. He's like a. Did you have to read a lot of Gardner Fox comics before this latest project of yours? I did, and they are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they're all, and they're, they're awful. They're, Gardner Fox oh. is the worst writer ever. I know he's, he's, he's a great creator. He's created many things, but as yeah. a writer, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I, the, it's other, the other TK, Tom Cater's always... Um, <laughs> the other TK. Uh, he, he described Gard, uh, Gardner Fox as, you could take any any dialogue bubble and switch it around with any character and it would still work. Yes. Never have so, so many generic white guys said generic things to generic white women. Yes. (laughs) I mean, there's all these rumors that he was, he was like the guy that was easiest to bully um, for Weisinger and and his editors and Schwartz. And he was the guy who would like, yeah, who would be like, Okay, you want me to do it? I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, I'll yeah, I'll take seventy notes. I'll do that. As opposed to like John Broom, who was a little more out there, and his comics yeah. read better now. Um, yeah, we, yeah, uh, I read a lot of Gardner Fox for this. Sadly, one of the one of the neatest interviews we did was uh, with Gene Colan uh, before he passed away, and uh, he was not a Julius Schwartz fan. <laughs> <laughs> not a shock. A lot of people. Well, Julie had a. Ju- Julie would not survive in today's Me Too environment. Julie had some problems. No, 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 no. But uh, I've been going back, and you, your book inspired me to go back and read some of the DC archives. And you are correct, sir. They are very interesting stories that are horribly, horribly written. Um, I remember uh, uh, you, you, you guys um, doing some con, and, and Tom was next to Carmine Infantino. Like he was New York Comic Con, very first New York Comic Con. Wow. Uh, I remember that being like, that's so, and, and now that just seems so historical that Carmine's been gone with like 10 years or something that I'm, you'd be able to just stand next to him and talk to him. It's so just, here's the horrible it story. It was hilarious. He, they, those two together were like... Oh, they were gold. It, it, was, it was a fucking sitcom. It was so funny. They could not have gotten along better. And it was like <laughs> watching the same person through generations. Really? They, they were just <laughs> busting everybody's balls. And... <laughs> You know, Carmine had no interest in talking about comics, and Tom no. had no interest in talking about comics. He had to sit there and make fun of people with Carmine, you know, m- make fun of people in cosplay. That's amazing. There what did he say about around yeah. dressed like Mirror Master, and Carmine would be like, ah, that looks terrible. <laughs> it was, it was, it was beautiful to behold. Who's Here's the, the uh... horrible story about this. Wait, wait, that, wait. Oh. oh my God! You killed Carmine Infantino. I knew almost. It. We almost killed Carmine Infantino. <laughs> this is horrible. So we go all the way across. This is when New York Comic Con was on two levels. Okay. So they were like upstairs, and there was the downstairs main. Was it in main. Javits still, or was it Javits? But it's before it took over all of Javits. They had a weird compartment. There was actually uh, Ursa uh, Sal. <laughs> Uh, Ursa was in Javits at the same time. Um, there was a health and fitness show oh, wow. in Javits at the same time. Well, Javits is huge, though. I mean, that's a gigantic yeah. convention. Center. So we go all downstairs and across the entire fucking floor to go to David Spurlock's booth, 
which is where Carmine and Steranko close both. This is the very first New York Comic Con. So, I mean, these are legends. And so we had we had worked out a deal with Spurlock to get Carmine to sign for Hero uh, Initiative donations. And so Carmine is old, and he's not able to move he's very old. quickly. So we go about a month and a half, an hour all the way back through the main floor, <laughs> through people, up two flights of stairs, and a down through Artist Alley, takes us literally 40 minutes, and I know that the old, old, fragile man is about at the end, where he's just like, <laughs> oh, no. he's like, you're actually endangering my life. You're going to kill the creator of half of DC Comics. <laughs> and I'm looking at Tom, I'm like, we're going to kill Carmine Infantino. We're going to be the people that kill this legend. Here's the horrible part. That's not the horrible part? (laughs) No. Here's the, yes, this is the horrible part. After we figure out where we are, there is an elevator bank, 25 feet on our fucking table, that goes straight down to where his booth was. It would have taken us about 45 seconds to get him to our table. (laughs) But uh, I, the one of the stories I was going to tell, I remember Tom had had told us that uh, uh, Jim, not Jim Starlin, who was the old, uh, the guy who took over DC or Marvel after Stan, after Jim oh, Shooter. Uh, uh, Shooter, Jim Shooter, Shooter, so Shooter yes. comes up to Carmine. Yes, and every story should read like a first issue. Who's he? He's seven feet tall. He's not a small man. Yeah. Literally, yeah, gigantic. He's right. a, yeah. So he comes up to the table as Tom and, and Carmine is sitting there, and, and and a lot of people did. There were so many people that came up that because Carmine, Carmine was there, because Carmine was there, and just to say <clears throat> nice things to Carmine, to shake his hand, professionals all throughout the industry. So Shooter comes up and he says something to Carmine. Hey, you know, he shakes his hand, blah, blah blah, and he walks away. And Carmine turns to Tom and goes, "Jesus, he got fat." <laughs> It was the greatest moment that, uh, that you know. But that was the, was that the same convention where we? <laughs> well, that was that was the convention where I I talked to Gene Colon. We sat with Gene Colon. We sat with for Gene. Like an hour and yeah, a half. and Gene's wife. Which you know, this is a couple of years before all that craziness happened. Yeah. What happened but, with him and his wife? That's the one. Yes. Oh, you guys are all. I don't know that story. What happened? Are you allowed to say uh, it? Um, yeah, look it up. Shit got weird. Shit got <laughs> weird. It okay. Google it. <laughs> yeah, Google it. I don't want to speak this, out. No, of, it's just the uh, second time someone says to me, I was like, what is that about? Okay, I will Google this when I get off. Yeah. I just saw him interviewed. I was just wanting to watch a YouTube of him talking about how I was the slowest artist of my generation. I only did two pages a day. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> two pages a day. <laughs> two uh, pages a day. Slacker. Yeah, well, that, that was you were talking to that convention was so neat. You're sitting there talking to 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 gene colon and record audio and i'm over sitting talking to to gene colon's wife who's telling me all of like the backstories and that's yeah gene loved working with stan julie schwartz was an asshole and, and when gene went to <laughs> you don't want to talk about you don't want to talk about what happened between him and his wife but you'll fucking throw her under the bus no problem no, i mean she said that julie schwartz was an asshole i believe that because i've, no, heard, no, I've heard from all lot, lots of people that julie schwartz was, well he was he he yeah he, he's i mean you should talk to some of the women who were around him Jeez, he, he was a, a genuine asshole i think it's been confirmed yeah, by yeah. life well gene didn't 
Gene didn't uh, offer DC for very long. So he left Marvel, went to DC, and he was back pretty quickly. And I think a lot of that was because of, of Julie Schwartz. That's the story that I got. Interesting. We have, Interesting. suffice it to say, we have found ourselves in some interesting places over the years and your fulcrum of history is what you are. <laughs> we are a we are a a footnote to a footnote of history <laughs> no you are not not in any sort of way <laughs> all oh, right yeah. i want to i want to talk about strange adventures okay oh, yes back to gardner fox no okay. and carmine infantino the, the art is beautiful man murphy anderson carmine that stuff is gorgeous it's worth it uh, the, the carmine murphy anderson Boy, was Carmine ever inked by anyone more awesome than Murphy Anderson? No. If you see Carmine ink himself, it's a whole different, like, he had yes. a much more sketchy style. Anderson cleans him up a, a lot. It's cleans interesting. Him up and he gives him this weird, like, 50s aesthetic. Yes. Yeah, that was his. I have a, I, I, you can't see it, but I have an Atomics Night page back there that Anderson did. Yeah, he's he's like the king of, if you close your eyes and think of thir- 50s comics, you see well, I can I, I I can tell from what's behind you that you hate fifties comics. Love them. That's my car passion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, okay, this is all, this so is all strange I'm, adventures. I'm stuff. a little bit of of a original art nerd. What's your favorite oh, page boy. that you own? Here we go. I want to see it. I hate you, uh, fucking you art collectors. I mean, I the most expensive pages. I don't care. No, no, no. Because my most expensive page is not my most favorite page. What's your most favorite page that you own? Oh God, I don't. I mean, I have an Alex Toth page. I love. Wow, Toth's my favorite artist. Um, which you can't see because it's over there. The computer won't turn that much. Um, I mean, I, what's my favorite? I have a page. I mean, I, I, I have a page I'm most proud of getting because I, I, it was the only time I got the better of the dealer. Um, <laughs> so I look at, and like, yeah, I, I was, I was turning these pages in. They were, they were random Kurt Swan pages for for five hundred bucks a pop. Oh, that's cool. And um, and I hit one. And I was like, why is this so familiar? I was like, oh my god, this is whatever happens to the man of tomorrow. The famous Alan Moore story, a page from that book, but it was just thrown in with all these Kurt Swan pages. What? So for five hundred bucks, I was like, "Can I purchase this from you?" He's like, "Yeah, why, why do you want this one?" I was like, uh, "It reminds me of something in my childhood. Can I get it right now?" <laughs> just pick that up. Just, just put the. Put, I'll, I'll put so it right now. Alan, I'll write Alan Moore, Alan Moore written Kurt Swan drawn page. Yeah, from the man of yeah, from the that my my. I love you and hate you all at the same Ooh, moment. Legendary. What what page is it? Do you, do you... It's the page where he's having sort of the crisis of conscience and he talks to um, uh, uh, Perry about, you know, I, I don't know what to do about Lois. And, he, you know, it's where he makes the decision to kill himself. Basically. Oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's I can see it right here. Sorry, I'm looking at it. And, um, yeah, so it was my it was what, a, what, which one? I triumphed over the system. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's terrific. Uh, yeah, so I'm re- I'm really I'm proud of that one. Uh, yeah, it's fine. funny. I have some pages here that I'm sure you're responsible for. Like I have a page from Fell because you guys recommended Fell. Oh know? wow, so it's a Temple Smith. Nice Temple Smith. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I got challenge. I have a I have two Darwin Cook pieces. Wow, um, you lucky bastard. My and I uh, yeah I don't know I have I love Bloom County. I have a Bloom County strip on my wall, and I have stuff that you know I for, for my books like I have you know. Uh, beautiful Cl- clay man page and I've, i mean from vision i have my this i don't know if you can see this over here 
probably can't. But um, I, I well, I have Tom Fowler's cover for my novel, and I have the a, a splash page of Vision, which is my favorite page of that. Book. So I, I was gonna say that's as as a comic. I mean, you're a comic nerd. You're a bona fide comic nerd. And oh now no, don't you, tell. Yeah, and now you're working on some most important comics coming out or the biggest selling comics coming out in the industry. Do you ever like talk to like Mitch or um, any of your other artists and say, yeah, so uh, cut me a deal on that page. <laughs> no, I do the opposite. I it's, it's, it's hard. Cause like, I'll see pages of theirs I want. And I know if I tell them I want them, they'll give them to me. Yeah. And so I, but I don't want to rob them of thousands of dollars. So it'll be like, I'll be, I'll have to be, I'll find their agent and be like, Hey man, give me that page and I'll pay you. And like, well, I have to tell him and he's going to give it to you free. Like, just don't fucking tell him. It's more that it's the, it's the opposite of that. If I say that's I like awesome. something, they'll give it to me. Mitch gave that, me. That's another thing is, you know, it's like you, you, you are, you're a fantastic writer. Oh, well, I'm no great rocker, but I try. But, okay. but <laughs> you have also been gifted <laughs> with some fantastic artists throughout yes. your career i wanted I to mean, ask about that you've not yes. been given any dud artist at all i mean and i and sal will probably ask this i mean have you take on artists blindly or have you been given the freedom to go out and say i really want to work with that guy yeah. uh i i find that i do best with guys who are yet to be discovered i feel like it's like the rick remender way to do it like remender seems remender is the king of this he's the best that ever was of like finding the guys who are just on the cusp and giving them the right story and then blowing them up yeah oh he was right he was doing stuff with franco francovilla when no one from like other than like ape comics knew who he was yeah there's a so long I'm, list of guys that remender has worked with that now you know, are just superstars. And he, yeah, I absolutely agree. He has had that knack. If he wasn't a writer, he should be whoever the guy is that picks artists for other books because, man, he is good at it. Was it, what did, was Opeth the guy that, that worked, that, I mean, did he work with Remender before anyone else? Was Jerome in that group? Yeah, Jerome. And then I, I feel like Tony Moore. Yeah, and- Tony. Uh, I have a lot of black people. Yeah, but you guys know better than I did because that's a Chicago school, right? That's not really Midwest. Um, yeah, more not Chicago area necessarily, but I, well, but I mean, um, but yeah, my artists. I, I, if I have a superpower, it's um, one of the things I do is I, I I can see guys who have been sort of misused. You know, they've been put on sort of the wrong kind of thing, and if if a lot of guys will they'll have incredible talent, but the, the, the people aren't writing the right scripts for them. So I try to adjust my scripts for the guys. And I think that sort of helps bring out what's best in them. So I, I do a lot better in that situation. I've worked with superstar artists a few times, you know, I've, where, where a guy comes to me and they're like, okay, you get David Finch, you get um, Tony Daniel. Um, and that tends to be not as, although the art produces beautiful, it, it doesn't tend to be as rewarding as like working with a Mitch right before he got big or working with clay or before he got big or working um, with uh, Gabriel Walt on something. I, it, yeah. I, I, it's better to find, I don't know. There's you, the guys that are hungry or something, or I, I don't know. I don't know what the right term is. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you, I mean, you're hungry for a while. So, you know, I can, 
<laughs> no, sir. No, I, I, uh, you talk about Remender. Remender brings up those guys. Remender fucking humped it for a really long time. And I think he feeds off that, that energy. And I, I can see that, that with you. Um, one of the things I've seen being that, um, that always resonates with me. You have this, I would be really interested to talk to you and your wife about your relationship because you have, you have this really right over there. We could reach out and say, hi. you have this really interesting and, and uh, very real way, which we've seen in Mr. Miracle and now with Adam Strange's story of Batman. This, I've had, I've read a lot of, I've the, written a lot of romance the, comics. They're they are absolutely romance comics, and you see these really naked, real relationships, and and it's it's something that I can you know read a Tom King comic, and it's like yeah, here's this very quiet moment between these two people that are talking about the situation as only a a a very close married couple can do. And then the switch to this, you know, big action sequence, and then back to this very quiet conversation about about this this moment. And it, it's only I, I hate saying that it's it's only people that are in very close intimate relationships that understand that, but it's only any other kind really close intimate relationships that can understand that, right? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, my wife is, I mean, she's got to be the number one influence on how I write. Um, but that's because I spend the most time with her. She's the person I'm at with at the beginning and the end of each day. I mean, my wife, I got to, my wife and I met after college. So we were 22. We worked literally desks next to each other at the Justice Department. So, you know, we've been through two wars together. We've been through the CIA training. We've been through the, you know, quitting the job, being unemployed, raising the kids. Even now, going, I mean, 20 years later, like I'm going through this thing where, my wife and I have been locked up in a house for five weeks with three children. I'm still in awe that we don't just tear each other apart. You know, they're, yeah. they're like that. They're like, we still, you know, we find a, like, I feel like at this time, maybe we, I'm sure we all feel this way, but like you look outside your house, you're like, it's just us. It's this little pod of people against the whole world. And somehow we have to survive this long enough. And Is it part of the DOJ thing? It's like you get up, you have your coffee, you have your breakfast, you talk about kind of what on then you go and possibly have to be involved with killing people. And then you come home and you have dinner and allegedly, kind of talk about allegedly. what's going on in the world and then go to bed. I think my, well, you know, my wife is a Midwestern. She's from the northern suburbs of Chicago. Oh, She's, oh okay. Uh, okay. A White Sox fan because her, yeah. her go Sox. My yeah, wife is also fun. a Sox fan. Diehard die Sox fan. Went to every game um, when they won the, in 05. Uh and uh yeah she's from barrington barrington yeah that's my wife yeah um and so she's very like the best thing i could recommend to anybody to be a combo like marry a midwesterner i can't emphasize that enough like i'm I'm from la my mother was a studio executive i sort of grew up in that world and uh and like there it's all about being famous and it's all about your career it's all about sort of um like I, people in my high school didn't become famous. Like it hit them really hard. And it was like a hump they had to get over. Whereas my wife, she's just about like, get through the day, get the job done. You know, <laughs> like she's very much like, keep your head down. And like, and so we balance each other out. Cause I'm this like, and then come super, home and make a hot dish and come home and make a hot dish. Yeah. Like, like she's like, 
she, she's a very like focus on the solution, not the problem. Whereas I'm from like this neurotic LA where we're like, there, the world's on fire. And so like, we, we somehow complement each other in that, you know, for, you know, like I'm today, I'm, I'm like, holy shit, there's going to be a meat shortage. We got to order, we got to order a deep freeze. Like, she's like, let me go measure. I was like, no time. I'm buying it now. You know, like, it's like, <laughs> so like when it gets here, she'll find out where it goes, but at least I was the one who pulled the trigger on buying it. You know, it's like, we've complimented each other. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, That's you know, that awesome. brings up, I, I have a sort of a very writerly question or probably series of questions to ask you about your process and, and I've, in pre preparation for this, I've read a lot of your, I mean, I had read a lot of your stuff before, but I kind of went back and, and reread a lot of stuff just to kind of be familiar with it. But one of the, it's not a lot of words. So hopefully <laughs> it goes quick, it goes fast. Um, no, but one of the, well, and, and I happened to watch an interview with you, you were talking, it was actually, you were on a panel with Frank Miller and you were talking about Batman and you were, you were talking uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't that one. It was a different interview with you. I sounded so coolness on a panel with Frank Miller. You yeah, were, damn this, right. Yeah. That's well, just every other Saturday. I'm me yeah. and Frank are hanging like this, you know? <laughs> well, anyway, it doesn't matter where you were at. But um, you mentioned that, you know, you a lot of the sort of traditional story structures are sort of the hero trying to figure out that one thing that will fix him. And then the story is about him finding that one thing. And you kind of don't like that um, because you don't feel that that's very realistic. Like we never, as human beings, we never really figure out that we don't have one simple thing that sort of answers all of our problems and gives <laughs> us a solution. And I really appreciate that. And, and I can really see that in your work. But one of the things I also noticed with a lot of um, your stories that you seem to sort of work from a place of the hero or the, the main protagonist doesn't realize that they kind of have what they need and, and they're creating these problems themselves. Would you say that that's kind of true that that is that something that you kind of find yourself at one point in your life or, or is that just something that you enjoy exploring? No, I do think a lot of my work is about sort of the tension of the desire for adventure and not realizing it's almost like we were, what we were just talking about there. Like, I feel like um, sort of this idea that, that, that people want to go on a hero's journey yeah. or they want to like, cause that's what, I mean, that's why, I mean, I'm, I'm, I joined the CIA for all the noble reasons cause it was after nine 11 and I want to save the world, but you know, in, in a more honest way, you know, I wanted to be part of that fight because I had been raised on comic books and I had been, and I was like, to me, it was like, Fight of you good, know, good against evil. It was fight, yeah, good against. It was your. It was when someone comes at you, you go back at them. I, I literally just was. I was like, what would I mean? What would Captain America do? You fucking join something, right? Like so, and it was that idea of, yeah, of like seeking out that adventure, going into the woods, or or however you want to do that metaphor, going into the fungible places where the danger happens, and um, and how you sort of survive that, and how it changes you, and and, and how it, it does make you sort of. You know, for me, what made me super realize was was that I couldn't function there unless um, uh, unless I had the support of my wife and my family and stuff. And and that, yeah, and and that, that, that the basis of that stuff was what was super important. To me. And that you don't become a different person. You know, you don't become as as much as you'd like to think. Like, okay, now I'm now I'm in this adventure. I'm this new person. You know, I'm I'm not Luke Skywalker anymore. I'm a fucking Jedi. No, you're still Luke Skywalker, man. You still are motivated by what, you know, this bad thing that happened to you when you're six or, 
whatever it is. Like it stays with you. You're still yourself. Does it you come never, down you, more you to perception to, per, you know, to, to, I mean, one of the things I've sort of realized in my own life recently, just getting older and hopefully wiser is sort of like how my perceptions of things affect my happiness, you know, like whether or not my job, my home life, my, whatever it is, whatever, a lot of times it's just sort of this perception that I have of what maybe I should be doing or I should have, or what my life should look like. I have this imagination or this you know, idea. <laughs> Why am I not feeling very well right now? <laughs> and, well, and I just wonder, like, I mean, cause I, I kind of see that in your work of, of, of some of these characters where, you know, like take back Batman, you know, it's sort of this thing of like, I often see him as this, you know, tragic character because he doesn't realize that he he's constantly beating himself up about what happened to his parents. And he's constantly forcing himself to do these things. And and he doesn't realize that he has the family that he lost, that he's already, you know what I mean? Like whether it's Wonder Woman and Superman or Robin and Nightwing and Dick and all these all these people that are Alfred or whoever it is, um, he doesn't realize that. And that's one of the things that keeps mo- keeps him motivated. But it's also the tragedy is that he doesn't realize that he has the family that he lost. And if he ever does realize that, maybe he's not Batman anymore. <laughs> but and I get that. But it's sort of like um, it's that perception like he, he he's. You know, he perceives himself as having lost something and having to get revenge for it. But he's already, you know, he's already replaced that a hundred times over and doesn't get it. And yeah, yeah. I think I think that's exactly right. It's like on on some level, you can control your own reality and you can. I mean, I think it's tough for kids who were raised in comic books because we all we want to be the hero of our own story. And it's at some point you become like right now we're 40 i got this fucking virus i mean i can't fight this all i can do is take care of my family and that's to to a comic book to a guy who's raising comic books it feels impotent it feels um almost numbing to realize that you just can't go out and fight it but but there also is something you know once you get beyond that sort of second second grade thinking that you were raised with there's something heroic and just taking care of your family and getting through your day and, and and for guys who go to work every day and 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 you know they just they make money to put on the table to feed their family to keep them together. Like that's a heroic act. It, it seems because we read we don't read fiction about those guys. It doesn't seem heroic, but the everyday can be just as meaningful and huge as uh, whatever Batman does. In fact, to me, all superhero comics are metaphors for sort of everyday triumphs and disappointments. Yeah, I, I see that. Your 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 comics hammer that home. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. It's, I mean, they, they do. But, so, but a you, question: you, you do Strange it, Adventures. Oh, sorry. There, there's a moment at a book signing where there is a, yes. a, a he's, where he's shake, shaking a hand. Where he's shaking a hand. It's like, hi, I'm Adam. Can I yeah, sign well, that, that'll never happen again. <laughs> that was a, and, that's well, already a historical and, document. And there, there is a there is an <laughs> Uber fan that walks up and has uh, very obviously uh, Sheriff of Babylon, Mister Miracle, <laughs> and Strange Adventures. Um, is that uh, are you all your own heroes do you see yes, yourself as my own heroes <laughs> is that it, it bears a a very uneasy resemblance to one mr tom king is that you 
I don't believe so. Uh, that I'm sure if you've read my scripts, they're fairly bare. I'm sure it was just like fan walks up. So it's all in Mitch's imagination. So that's Mitch's subconscious putting me in the story. I, uh, I kind of like the myself. idea of you as it's a very meta thing of here is Tom King comic fan in this comic being uber comic guy um and just knowing you from before all of this happened there's certainly a lot of the the surrealness of this i mean it's like eisner award-winning best comic writer tom king i mean <laughs> did you ever think that you would hear that no I mean, that, that's kind of nuts right it's, it is astoundingly nuts yeah. I, 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 um, like I said, you guys got me back into comics. So it inspired me to write. I wanted to be oh, a writer. Put that on I, us. Oh no, it's hundred percent, dude. You, <laughs> you're responsible for all the soy boy back cat stuff. Mm. Um, I'm sending all the guys after you. Uh, hey, um, I didn't fucking kill Alfred, asshole. You killed so, Alfred. No, exactly. I'm not. I'm not biting that. Oh, wait, which, you. We're gonna put a pin you in this. Punch I, Robin I, I, I in the come face. Back and talk about Pennyworth, but go ahead. So. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I, I was, I was, but I, I tried to become a writer a few times in my life. I mean, I, I interned at Marvel in DC, um, yeah. and even got a gig back in the college. Um, but every time I, I tried to write. you were interning for Chris Claremont. I mean, yeah, this I is, was, yeah. I, yeah, I was, I was Chris Claremont's assistant in 99. Um, so. Uh, but 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 every time I tried to write, it was so precious. Like I'd write like a sent. I, I was I was always trying to make win a Nobel Prize in my first paragraph of my first novel, <laughs> and uh, and it was just super shitty. And so what, what really brought me over the hump was I was reading a book about comics history, um, which will go unnamed because it was written by a pedophile. Um, <laughs> you guys know which one it is <laughs> if you're in the comic knowledge. Yeah, we didn't know that at the time. No. Uh, and so I was, I was reading, I was reading this book and, um, and he was talking about sort of the old comic book writers and how they wrote just to make money. Like they wrote like Gardner Fox in, right? Because he's like, God damn, I'm going to change the world with this next story where a little science like art, solves man. everything. He was like, cards. Gotta pay, was... I got to pay rent. You know, I got to, I got car payment. I got to yeah. like, and I was like, Oh, I was, and to me, I was, I was like, all right, what if, and that was like such a mind over to me. I was like, Kurt, what if Kurt I he wasn't drawing a thousand pages a year because he's fucking fun. No, he doesn't. If you watch there's that YouTube, I just watched it. Well, there's a documentary in the interview with Kirby and Kirby says, my great inspiration was, and he thinks about it. He goes, sales. Poverty. Yeah. poverty. That was his. So, and like, that was, that was me getting over the hump. Like, okay, Tom, don't write to win awards or anything. Just write to get a gig right to get a job, right to make money for your family. Um, and that made me get, throw away the preciousness and get through that first paragraph finally. And, and when I entered comics, all I wanted to do was just make a living. And, you know, by the time I read my first comic, I'd be unemployed for two years. And by unemployed, I mean, I was, I was a full-time house dad. I took care of my kids while mm -hmm. my wife went to work. Uh, and so I was just like, any gig will do. So it's, it, it, it's insane to me that somehow through the process of throwing away the desire to sort of be literary anyway, I came back to it. Um, Did you, yeah. uh, I, th once again, thinking about your work and, and kind of going over it and trying to formulate sort of a, uh, an, uh, questions about it, which I hate kind of doing, but I have you here and I never get to really talk to you about, you know, 
writing and I, and, and I love mm-hmm. writing. I love, I wish I, I love was, it too. I wish I was a writer. I'm not, I'm, I, I, I'm the, you know, wannabe writer, but I love everything about writing. I love studying it and the craft of it. So I'm going to ask you this shit just because I really there, like your. There isn't one writer in the world who doesn't think he's the wannabe writer. I feel like I'm the wannabe writer. I was <laughs> I, today. I, today I was on the phone writing a pilot for a TV show for a movie star. I was on the phone writing a movie for um, you know the New Gods movie, and then I wrote you know a Batcat script, and I still feel like a fucking failure. It's like, that's just like how that's like part of the gig. I don't know why like, that's the way it is. It's well, creatives, man. It's creatives. It's you're always you're all trying to to out create your last failure which you know it's 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 the uh imposter syndrome we talked about that with tony moore like uh, you know everybody has that no matter how successful you get it's like this thing when are they going to figure out that i'm full of shit and i've been faking it this entire time that's exactly right when are they going to discover my tricks yeah, yeah i just repeat the same three things over and over <laughs> well that, okay so that brings up and and one of the things i noticed that, that you seem to do is you kind of look at every page as a scene to some degree it seems yeah. like to me like yeah. more than most writers like this is you kind of try and write a complete scene in each and every page was that a conscious thing that or that developed or or was that just something that sort of um was from well i mean you were a novelist first so i mean how how did how did you kind of get to that uh idea cuz i see so many writers that don't do that that don't sort of look at a page and go okay i have to i have to complete this scene here and then go to the next scene and then go to the next scene or is it, is it more, you know, is it even that? Am I full of shit? Am I, am I lying? You know, am I, am I seeing something that's not there? No, you're, I, I think you're seeing exactly the right thing. And I think it's one of my keys to success. So don't tell people to do it. Uh, <laughs> well, nobody it. listens to this fucking show. So oh, thank God. Yeah. Thank the Lord. Uh, yes. I, I don't, I don't know. I think to me, it's the most natural thing in the world. When you're writing a comic book, you write, Cause you write them one page by a time. When you finish that page, you, you start a new page to be like, okay, this has to, each page has to contain its own sort of story arc with the tension building and breaking and tension building and breaking. I don't, I mean, that's how you write chapters of a book. That's how you write. I don't know another way to do it. Like I even, I don't know, maybe it's how, it's how I got into it. Cause my, my first story I wrote for Tom Fowler was for Vertigo mm-hmm. and it was an eight issue. It was an eight issue story. Like I said, my, so I, I did that book that I gave you guys and it was a huge flop. And nobody bought it. So like, it's, it's really hard to sell a first book. It's super hard to sell a second book when they already know that your first book flopped. Still like, available on Amazon, I believe. For one penny. Don't pay more than that for it. Because Lord knows I'm not getting any royalties. Are uh, you are you always conscious of the page flip? Always I hear conscious. a lot of really good artists and, and creators. Uh, Claim um, said, just always be conscious of the page flip. I'm less conscious of it than I used to be. I think in my beginning, I was more, you know, only putting splashes on even pages so that it, it'll be on the flip, you know, cause it, you know, a comic starts at one and then it's a turn. So two is always in the, or yeah, two's on the yeah. left and, and three is on the right. But the more I do it, the more I really, cause I don't, Marvel does it a little bit differently, but at DC, you don't see your final, um, page your, 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 your final pa- page data or whatever you, whatever you call it. The one that has the, the one that has the ads in it. Yeah. Um, so they can put ads in that can totally throw stuff out. Sure. 
Um, and so, you know, you'll do all that planning to make sure that you have a page flip for 12 and they put in a goddamn Snickers ad and it's on. Yeah, because <laughs> the reveal, the the reveal is a big thing. You take that, the ads out and then you put it into a trade, you know, and it's like, nah. But, but even, then it all goes to the digital and flipping on a pad. And yeah, it's, it's, it's Even crazy. a trade though, like, because I mean, I was, because I did Omega Men, which was like super formalistic. Like every single book was, um, it mirrored itself. The first 10 pages mirrored the, the next 10 pages. So page one matched page 20 in terms of the layouts. You doing and, what? Nine page or nine panel grids? All nine panel grids, but, but, but they weren't, but they were merged. So like some of them would be three panels and some of them would be, um, and so, yeah. And, and that was, and then the first, and that went up throughout the whole series. So like issue one mirrored issue 12, because it made it like an Omega symbol. I did not pull it off. There's like three or four pages that don't match. So well, you got canceled know. after seven. And after, then, no, after got, three. Yeah. I got canceled after three. After <laughs> three. Okay. <laughs> it was the least selling comic in Marvel and DC. <laughs> I got I got the call after issue three from the DO. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> sorry to tell you this, kiddo. Yeah, but well, you saw it things- resurrected though, right? It did. It got it got resurrected. Yeah. Thanks to Twitter. That was the first big like Twitter thing. Two thousand. I don't know. When that was twelve thirteen. And all those Twitter users bought zero copies of Omega Man. So. But you know, I, I put on my name to this day, New York Times bestselling writer Tom King. The only reason it's New York Times bestselling is Omega Man made the New York Times bestselling list before because they took Batman would have made it if, if Batman around. They, but they, still, took, right. they took comics off the off new york times for a while it's back on now but jerks so uh but yeah the, my best-selling new york times still comes from omega man but it was so low selling <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> but hey omega man just out in hardcover order from your goddamn local comic hey. shop. i absolutely will which which speaking i mean you you've had you've had some series that have been six issues 12 issues 12 issues you, 12, 12 issues, issues 12, 12 issues 100 <laughs> issues 102 has yeah. Was it 103 kind of shoehorned in there? Um, You're, I, I think you're at a really nice sweet spot in your career right now where you can, please, I'm gonna do a 24 issue series. I'm pitching a 24 issue series or a 60 series. Do you approach projects where it's like, I've got an idea for 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 12 issues, and then if it takes off then we can run with it forever however long i mean do you plan stuff out in an issue do you say six issues 12 issues 24 100 whatever or are you just be like it's going to be what it's going to be right now i'm only doing 12 issue maxi series is and then like a specials here and there, a short story or an annual or something. I love that you call them maxi series because that's such a throwback. I know, right? <laughs> Come on, a mini is four to six and a maxi is 12. <laughs> Everyone maxi knows series. that. Maxi series. Do you, like, do you like writing that way, like a complete story, 12 issues instead of, I mean, obviously you did a complete story with Batman, but that was a huge run. You know, um, do you yeah. prefer something more like Mr. Miracle, like Strange Adventures, where it's okay, here's here's the 12 issue complete story, you know, start to finish and, and you don't have to worry about anything else? Yeah, I mean, right. Batman was much harder to write than Mr. Miracle was, despite the fact that Mr. Miracle is probably a much more ambitious project. Right. Um, just because Batman was there was just so much logistics involved in terms of 
get, you know, you're on a, a, a twice month schedule. You always have to have an A-list artist. Most A-list artists these days can do seven to eight books a year. Um, so you're doing 24 issues. So that means you need three to f- two, two main guys and then three backup guys, all whom have to get art and you have to adjust your styles to each one and adjust the stories to each one. And then you're dealing with big editorial because you're on the best-selling book and you have the event stuff. And it was just so much to balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I prefer, to me, like I prefer, yeah, to be contained with one artist where you can have sort of a mind meld of an artistic thing and tell one story that has a beginning and a middle and an end and create a trade for people that sort of, here, you, you come into a comic book shop, you get a trade, you get a full story, you can let it go. And, and, and then if you want to, you know, you read Vision, you like that, you want more, here's Mr. Miracle, you know, like, and, and it's just I, such it's, a, it's so much it's so much easier it's so and it's fun. i think it's so much like i think you are able to put your stamp on it so much better than like as much as your batman run is obviously your batman run you know when you're when you're doing that kind of a story you sort of have ebb and flow and and of course you know that many issues it, where you know like mr miracle is such a unique thing you know what I mean? Like that, it's just like boom. Here it is. Here's the whole story. One, it's gorgeous. Obviously, I mean, you know, Mitch took his art to a whole new level for that book, and and you said it ambitious. It, it is an, a really ambitious book that I think. Did you have trouble? First of all, I guess did you have trouble like selling that at all to DC of doing that book, or no, or they gave it to me. Um, it was a makeup book for. Really? Yeah, Mitch and I were supposed to do the War of Jokers, Jokes and Riddles, which became a Batman Volume 5. And I pitched that to them as like a Wire-esque crime drama series um, to to do like uh, on the, with Mitch and I. You know, we just got Sheriff of Babylon. He was like the crime. He's he's a crime war guy. It was very, it was like, you know. And they, they're like, we, they call me one day. They're like, Tom, we love that idea so much. Jokes and Riddles, we want you to put it in the main title. And I was and they're like, like, great news. And I was like, well... Like, well, can Mitch do it? And they're like, no, Mitch isn't good enough for the main title. They actually said that, which is like, he's won two two <laughs> Eisers for best artists. And uh, and I also and they're like, isn't that great news? And like for you for the editors, it was great news because it was a bigger story. But for me, it was like I just lost the book. Right. That's a third of my income, right? So like that's a big hit to take. Uh, and I was like, yeah, great news. But I just lost. And they're like, well, we'll give you some makeup book. So literally, I went out to to drinks with Dan Deal. He drunk me under the table, and like. <laughs> We were both smashed out of our minds, and uh, and he said, uh, and he threw it out to me. He's like, "How about Mister Miracle?" I was like, he, "What he said? He's, he's like, I want you to do Vision at DC, and Vision had been a big success and you know bestseller and won some bunch of awards." I was like, "Yeah, no problem, twice in a row," you know, because uh, I was I was stupid. So uh, and uh, so that's yeah, that's how it started. It was it was like a backup book. They gave it a, a pity book, maybe. They gave what, it. So, uh, what was real, the... real, real quick on the Vision stuff? Nothing you do is real quick. Go ahead, though. I love listening to it, though. I'm having the best time. Um, Total. That's kind of the basis for WandaVision. Uh, it, it, it's, I, I mean, I don't know for sure. Is that fucking quick enough for you, Sal? <laughs> These, I'm very involved in the Warbrunner side because I'm writing the New Gods movie, so I know a lot about that shit that I can't talk about. I don't know much about the Marvel side, except that, I mean, I have buying in some of the characters. It so. looks like your book, dude. I, it, I think it's thematically my uh, it's thematically very stolen from my book. I, so I, I would say, I would say they took the, th- the thematic ideas and, and expanded it into into their own vision. Yeah. I think I, the off camera question is: Are you getting paid for that shit? Uh, 
<laughs> a little. Off camera. A little. Off camera. A little bit. All right. Before hey, that hey, horseshit question. Speaking of maxi series, oh, is this the first maxi series? Can it be? I don't know. What, what do you consider a maxi series? I think this is the first one that was ever considered maxi series because it was a 12 issue story, right? Yeah. Well, Brian, wow, man. I've, I, have, I have that copy of that very book up there. This changed shit for me. When so I, so I love it. I love it. I, I probably read it because you totally recommended it. No <laughs> shit. We were, I was, I no, was, I like, remember you talking I was about like that 14. Book. You were like eight. No, but I got, but I mean, I remember getting that book being overseas and getting it sent to me. So it was definitely something I got at that time. I remember yeah, Chris talking about that book on the show for sure. You talked about that book. See? I guarantee you. If you, you talk yes. about it, I bought it. You want 3000 is what we're talking about for the non-video stream. Oh yeah. We got to remember people will only yes. listen to this. Yes. Mike knows. W. Barr in Boland. Okay. So uh, when I, I had a horrible, I ran to Mike W. Barr at the Suicide Squad premiere and uh, and I love his stuff, but I started talking to him, and I totally thought he was Mike Barron. But that's oh. so close, guys. Mike Barr, Mike Barron. That's right, like I fucking loved Badger. Oh, hundred percent. No, I was like, I was like, oh, dude, you're fucking Punisher, man. That's the best. And when you were on Flash, oh. he's like, I never wrote Punisher in my life. I don't know what you're talking. I was like, oh shit. I'm mistaken. Mike Barr for Mike Barron. Retreat. Retreat. <laughs> It's all right. It was rude. Best team ever. He was not cool about it. Yeah, some people would be cool about that. He was not cool about it. Boy, when we when we had Rude on, speaking of Mike Barron, we had Rude on and he threw Barron under so many buses, it was actually (laughs) uncomfortable for us. A lot of that interview was uncomfortable for us. A lot. Oh, the whole the whole yeah, Bruce Lee thing. Yeah. I got that though. So yeah. Um uh, I was gonna ask you about going back to mr miracle um (laughs) when did you sort of like i guess what was the genesis of that story so because it's such an interesting story to me and it's it's kind of so out there i mean i think i find it very um i don't know psychedelic it's very you know it's a it's a it's a strange story it's a it's a weird you know fascinating interesting story but like when when did you come up with the whole dark side is part of it? Like what I'm trying to formulate it in my head of like, okay, he's writing this story, he has an idea for where it wants to go, but where when did that pop into your brain of like, I'm gonna use dark side is as an element, not just of the story, but like visually everything. I mean it's 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 sort of this cohesive thread throughout the whole book when did that occur to you or when, how did that come about do you even haven't you know no yeah i remember the exact moment uh it, um so when i first got the book it's like i got so I, so the, the drunk conversation i was in baltimore so this is this is new york comic-con so it's like two weeks later and i had i come up with a concept the concept was immediate they're like okay what can't you escape from you can't escape from death he kills himself and he wakes up and then I was like, I don't know what happened next. <laughs> I didn't know what the next part was. Like, what happens when he wakes up? Um, and I ran into, um, I was in your comic, I ran into Julian Lytle, uh, who does a web comic called Julian. Yeah, you know, do you guys know Julian? Sure. Yeah. Right, yeah. I argue with Julian all time on Facebook. <laughs> because I, I, I have this persona that I hate uh, millennials, which he is one. And so Julian and I, Julian and I always fight. We beat. Jul- 
Julian is one of the smartest people I've ever met, and maybe the smartest comic book. Person. I mean, he knows everything about everything. Julian's uh, uh, pimp is a web comic. What is it? Ants. Ants. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. And the literal Mr. Miracle wouldn't exist. And he's consulting on the New Gods movie. Um, if he hasn't, because he's he's the world's expert on Kirby and New Gods. Um, so. Wow, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Julian I is, love Julian. Uh, he's also a DC guy. He's at my house having dinner with my kids every week. So, or he used to be before this stuff. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, that's uh, awesome. I Julian's ran, awesome. Julian's guy. Yeah. So, I, so, so I ran to Julian and and and, um, and we we're talking, and he's like, "What are you working on?" as a Mister Miracle, and it's like, "I don't know what to do with it." He's like, "Oh, Mister Miracle's on." And he's like, "A Dark Side, you know, you know about Dark Side." I was like, "Oh yeah, he's like, I know he's not, but he's just, I mean, he's a Thanos ripoff. Thanos is like the better version of Dark Side." And he's like, what? What are you talking about, man? What about Dark Side is? I was like, what's Dark Side is? And he, he goes, dude, he's, he's like, have you ever like, you know, you had to make two decisions and one was a good one, one was a bad one, and you just couldn't help yourself and chose the bad one? Dark Side is. And it like went on like that, where he's like, you ever wake up and you have no hope inside you and you have to lay in bed for the rest of the day? Dark Side is. And like he, he was, and he was taking what Grant had done on like two covers and sort of translating into like this idea that sort of evil exists. It's all from Julian. And I, and we had been doing, Mitch and I had been doing from the very beginning of Sheriff, um, these black panels, which had bang in them. It was basically to hide the violence because I didn't want to show um, a little girl being shot in the first issue. And I stole it from, uh, I stole it from Why the Last Man. Brian, um, Brian Vaughn used it in Why the Last Man, where he uses a black panel with white writing in it. And so, uh, so we've been using that. And, I, and he was, giving me this speech and I was into it. I was like, man, dark side is, that's perfect. And I just, in my head, I saw that our black panel with white writing saying dark side is. And um, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put that in there. I mean, I saw it. I was like, that's what we'll do. We'll just, we'll just, when something really bad happens, we'll do a black panel with, with white art and it just says dark side is. And um, yeah. And so that's where it started. No, I think wow. it hit. Julian from Julian. That's awesome. From Julian Lytle. Absolutely. That was, uh, he is, he is the origin of that phrase. It's Julian. It's These, Julian. Th- th- this is all like the original, like, you know, podcast mafia from like 2008. This is where I come from. These are my people. <laughs> Just like, you know, you know, like Fraction and Kelly Sue, they came up through the Ellis boards or the Bendis boards. Yeah, I came yeah. up through podcasts. That's what I came Jesus. That was, that was, I was, you, you know, we CBS unleashed you upon the it. world. You tell you. Well, I, I tried to tell you the beginning. So when I was a kid, I didn't talk to anybody about comics at my level. I'd never heard anyone who understood comics at my level ever in my life. Um, a friend even a friend i mean a little bit when i went and worked as an intern but even then it's like a professional those chris claremont didn't like comics he just wrote them you know um <laughs> roy thomas was the only guy that made comics and liked them at that yeah time. i think he wanted to be the only yeah. so it's like when i heard you guys in podcasts i was like oh my god i was like there are people like me it was it was <laughs> it was genuinely moving to hear you guys talk comics at a level that i thought only yeah. i sort of understood you know yeah it was it was it was the alien islands out in the world all be able to connect through a through an i you know an ipod, an iPod so. yeah 100 so uh yeah I don't know, where were we doing yeah so dark side oh yeah so um but i think the dark side is thing took off so i mean i've talked about this a bunch but but i had sort of one of those sopranos um first scene of sopranos the where you go to the hospital and you don't know if you're having a heart attack you're going crazy and uh and you like, had hey, you, one of those yeah i had one of those yeah where you're really? just like yeah and up a panic attack and um 
is 2016. It was right right before Batman number one came out, which I'm sure it's unrelated, but uh, <laughs> coincidence, mere coincidence. Yeah, no, no, no pressure, Tom. Mere, but I was. But the thing was, I was at the, the happiest point in my life. Like my, I had these three beautiful kids. My wife was doing super well. I mean, my but career was finally in, taking off. You were an imposter. You were. That, yeah, right? imposter. <laughs> you knew that you, as soon as that book came out, everybody was going to know you were a fake. A phony, your career was over. That's that's what 100%, it was. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, but then, so I came out of that. And so this is, two, you know, uh, I mean, this must have been, oh, it was, my, it was my wife's birthday. So April, 2016. So exactly four years ago from, from this week. And, um, and, and then, I mean, I don't know the politics of it, but like the whole Trump thing happened and, the world just got really weird, really The Cubs fast. won the goddamn World Series. The Cubs won the World Series. The, like, it, just, it really felt like one of those things where I had woken up. I like Because, I mean, I, got to, I, was, I was with my kids, and I had that blackout where worst I was like, oh, I'm dying. Yeah, worst, it was fucking weird. Fucking weird. The, the Patriots had that weird comeback, which didn't oh, make any sense. Dude, that yeah, thing? it just never fucking ended. Against Atlanta. And, uh, and I was... And so that's when I was, and, and everyone's like, we need people to write about it. It, just, it. it was like, wow, did I wake up? Am I still fucking alive? Did I wake up in some bizarre <laughs> other reality? That's I'm still convinced. I, there was a moment in like, I, I think it was you know, whenever they turned on the new Hydrogen Collider or something, like everything <laughs> went to shit. Like the yeah, whole fucking, like, our entire existence just fucking took a shit on us. I don't know. Did I wear a mask to go outside now? What the fuck? That's not Norma can't possibly be our reality. That's I'm writing superheroes, so it'll come in handy. This experience, I expect at some point we're going to see a 12 issue maxi series of Kite Man stranded somewhere where he can't escape, and it's just going to be, you know, him sort of devolving into some sort of rambling psychosis and. And, Don't uh, be dissing Kite Man. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm waiting for the Maxi series. It's it's only a matter of He's time. He's awesome in the Harley series on DC Universe. <laughs> <It's> is awesome. <laughs> Love me some Kite so, Man. So, okay, so you, you I don't think you got to the point though. You you so you had this attack. So I had this and then and then that's when Mr. Miracle I was like cuz cuz everyone was like the only bright spot about Trump is, is, is that, you know, we'll like punk rock was in the eighties. So we'll get good art. Right. Right. And I was like, fuck, that's on me. Like I have, <laughs> Come on. I was like, I was like, I have, I mean, I have like one of the best one, one of the, the best artists in comics. I have a totally free runway. I have to fucking write something that's meaningful about this time and about this experience. And so I wrote about that idea of sort of like waking up and not knowing if life is real or not, because it's so fucking crazy and crappy and sort of having to, in that moment, find things that can get you through it which is what that was about like me and my wife and 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 the first yes and then that became basically three series that sort of concept though it's batman became like heroes in crisis like all three of those right. were sort of about that experience of sort of of dealing with sort of crazy anxiety and uh, and the real world is seeming to, to to repress you and sort of having to was it to, to uh, talk about it with your loved ones and getting over it so like that. was yeah. it disappointing that i mean i don't i'm i'm this is kind of anecdotal but was it disappointing it seemed like heroes in crisis didn't um perform <laughs> i really liked it i i really did i thought it was very it. good and i think people maybe misrepresented it or um heroes in crisis sold a ton um in in in, in and uh 
And I love it. I fucking love it. I read it recently and I just, the art is gorgeous. The story's fun. It's, it's actually funny. Um, it gets into a lot of deep stuff. But yeah, dude, it just, it fucking hit, it didn't hit a nerve or, or it hit the wrong nerve or something. I, I read, um, what, what made me understand Heroes in Crisis, and I could be totally wrong about this, but this is my theory. Um, uh, I, I was reading this, what, who the fucking, who's that guy who wrote the, it was a, it was a screenplay book, William, oh fuck, I can't remember his name. Anyways, William. <laughs> uh, he wrote a screenplay book and he was, he was talking about, uh, about like the successes and failures in his life. And he, and he said he, Golden? he wrote it. What? William Golden? William Golden. The Golden. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Adventures in the Screen Trade. It's like, the, it's like the most famous screenwriting book. So fuck me for forgetting. It. <laughs> and, um, and he, he said he wrote this movie that he loved. It was an airplane movie. It was about an airplane pilot. Um, and in the first, in the first act, the, the airplane pilot, and it's, it's a test pilot and he's on the wing and there's like a girl doing a performance on the wing and she gets tangled up and she's about to fall and he crawls off to, to get the girl to save her. And, um, and he reaches out to get the girl and the girl slips through his hands and, and, and falls to the ground and dies. And he was really proud of the scene and the rest of the movie is about sort of um, uh, him recovering from this and, and learning to live his life. And, and the guy who was playing the part was Robert Redford. And he said he went on this, he went one day to watch the movie with the, with the pilot audience, super proud of it, super proud of his job. Of it. And as soon as the audience saw um, uh, Robert Redford reach out for the girl and, and not save her. As soon as they saw their hero, their idol, sort of the best American man alive at that point, they did not buy the rest of the movie. He failed, like, so... Yeah, you yeah. fail. He's like, if that had been Robert De Niro or Al Pacino, or, you know, there were certain, like, dark... Or not dark as well, but, like, like certain, like... Anti-hero. Like, anti-hero kind yeah. of people. But they were never going to buy that Robert Redford went out on the wing of that plane and didn't save that girl. And for the rest <laughs> of the movie, they were just not into the movie. They just couldn't get past that. Uh, to me, that's what Heroes in Crisis was. Like people putting Wally West at the center of that at the time it was was just the wrong move to do. And it wasn't it, it wasn't my call to do that. I, they picked him for me, but I, but I would never do it again. People just weren't in the mood to have Wally West go through what he went through. And, yeah, well, and, I also and, think it's and just, they just were never going to buy it after that. Anything crisis related to like I think I think it's just like almost one of those things where if if you if it's a crisis book. And what I loved about Heroes in Crisis was it it was completely different. It was, you know what I mean? Like it was a crisis, but it was a completely different kind of, it was a Tom King type, type of crisis. <laughs> and that, well, and that, you know, I I feel like you are, are truly a guy that writes superhero comics for adults. Yeah. And, and that's not, um, I don't mean to say like they're adult comics, but you write truly. Mister Miracle is a fucking war book. Well, I mean, it's a war comic. But you deal with adult situations. You deal with things that adults deal with, and and I not do have more sex scenes in my comics than most. I admit it. <laughs> it's. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mister Miracle, and what I'm seeing at a at a strange adventure. I mean, it's they're war comics with. I mean, life not, is war. Not not with, but with like real intimacy like well, I mean, real intimacy I, mean, I read Watchmen I'm sure like maybe like you guys did but I feel like I was way too young to read it like oh, I was, yeah all of us were yeah I was like 10 or 11 yeah. or something yeah. and it blew my fucking mind yes. and uh but not in a bad way 
in, in, in a wonderful way. Yeah. Um, so, so to me, I always just feel like we should not have been reading American flag. Yeah, no, we should not. Have been reading American flag. <laughs> but, I mean, sure. and I love Watchmen. I, I, I mean, it's, you know, a pinnacle of, of, of comics in, in a lot of ways to me, but I feel like, you know, for so many years, superhero comics have been like, um, teenage angst and dream fulfillment for teenagers. And then it became a reaction to that by creators that grew up on those comics, but were sort of ashamed by those comics. And, and you know what I mean? Like, and as we all were to some, we talked about that earlier. Like there was a, there was a little bit of shame involved with reading comics, but so they started like going super dark and, 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 and thinking that is adult. But I think you've done this thing where like you, you know, it's like you, you still are able to have this wonderful joy and fun with superhero comics because they're silly. If you think about them too hard and, and, and they should be fun and full of adventure and, and action, but you also weave in these really wonderful stories about how people deal with everyday life, how Batman deals with having a kid or how, you know, getting married and having, you know, the, this changes life or how, you know, Mr. Miracle doesn't know, you know, about his own existence and what can, you know, can he escape from the drudgery of sort of his average life? And it's like, you don't see that much in superhero comics. And, I think you do that really a lot better than I've seen it done before. As much as I love Watchmen, Watchmen is still Alan's sort of way of of getting rid of his shame. And you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a, like, no, yeah, it's, it's a good way to put it. Yeah, there is still that. I don't feel that with your work. I don't feel like you're doing it like because you want to write something only that you're proud of, which you should be proud, but I, I feel like you're truly creating something new in some of these books where it's like, these are really adult written books. These are actually uh, adult issues that these characters are dealing with on a, on a, on a really deep level. And, and I, I just think it's great. And I just, I, I wonder like, was that something that just came naturally to you or was that an intent that you were like, I want to, you know, evolve this medium. I, I think I came to it. I mean, I, cause I remember jumping back in in 2006 with you, with you guys and, um, and people sending me books and it's, it seemed like that's what everyone was doing. Like when I read Bendis's daredevil or Brubaker's cap, um, yeah. or, um, or Rucka's, uh, uh, what was the, um, the one with the guy gets, uh, uh, Sleep blue beetle. Sorry. Oh, oh yeah. Yep. Um, infinite crisis, infinite, cri- yeah, infinite crisis. Um, less J- Jeff was not kind of that school. Jeff is almost old. Jeff Johns is almost old school. Sure, yeah, he but, was the bridge writer in a lot of ways. Yeah, bridge writer, but 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 sort of that, that generation. Brad Meltzer, um, Jason and Jace, Jason Aaron Fraction kind of brought up the, the rear, and I feel like I'm the last one. And because, just just because I went to war and then or or, I, or I, you know I, I had eight years of my life that I didn't I had to catch up a little bit. But I'm like I'm like their same age, um, yeah. And so I, I feel like that was already here. So I was like, oh, this is what um, I like, like what JMS did when he took you know um, Supreme, like that kind of stuff. But he was right. Like, uh, people forget what yeah. 
JMS was was really huge when I was getting into comedy. JMS was he was doing Midnight Nation. Yeah, Midnight Nation. That's oh, Jesus, great fucking book. Who was the artist? Was that, was that like Gary? It was Frank Gary Frank. Wow, yeah. that's I don't know. That's my guy. Love that. Um, yeah, uh, I read the shit out of that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I like like they had already paved the way. So I'm just kind of trying to, and that really appealed to me. Like I I loved it. I ate it up. I still eat that stuff up. I still think it's wonderful. So. The early 2000s were an amazing time for comics. Yeah, and I kind of, I'm always, I'm, I'm always depressed because all those guys had almost the same career cycle where they, they got so big, then they went to Image, and then they got sucked in by Hollywood. And I just felt like it, ro- it robbed comics of so much goodness. Like and Hollywood just. Uh, we were talking about that writing with, movies, yeah, yeah. And, and now you're writing movies. So you're doing the exact same thing, Tom. <laughs> you're going to no, leave I- us behind. But and you're not. I, I'm aware. Com- I am. A but you're not aware. writing comics to become <laughs> films or series. Well, I don't think either. I don't think those great. guys were either. I mean, Brubaker was a guy that loved comics and and still loves comics. And I think, yeah, yeah, I think some of them were definitely writing but screenplays. That Hollywood cash comes, you know, in the door and forget it. Comics can kiss my ass. That's you know. <laughs> but it's funny because like you know. Way to go, Guggenheim. I, I feel like nobody goes to Frank Miller's table being like, man, I love Robocop three, dude. Can you sign this for me? You know, it's like, like you can only, only, I mean, Kirkman did it right. Kirkman did the thing where he's now more famous as a TV person than a, than a comic book person. Yeah. But he still writes comics, but he still writes comics. but it's very like, usually the, the lifelong satisfaction comes from being in this community and in this media. Like, and to me, it's much more, it's much more fun to write a comic than to write a screenplay. And it's much, yeah. So I, I never want to sort of lose sight of that. And, and, it, and, it, and it literally legitimately pisses me off. And I, I think it really affected sales that we sort of lost the best, the cream of our crop to, to Hollywood. So, I mean, and it has to do with, you know, the new streaming service. There's such a call for writers now in Hollywood. Well, um, what, what, I, what I've seen over the last, you know, 10, 15 years is that, is that there, there's a natural migration of, of, of talent and there always should be. It's almost like a sports team. It's like, you know, I love the 2004 St. Louis Cardinals. That's true. But but those guys shouldn't be playing in 2020. And you know, it's and, and comics are almost that same way. And it, and it's brutal. It's a brutal fucking industry. And it, it's it's like you have you have this transition of talent and that that's just kind of how I, I think it's how a lot of the publishers, you know, view it, that there's young guys coming up and well, this guy has kind of had his, is, or this gal is, well, is it also, is it, the is it, they're going out. Is it also a financial thing? It's like, I can pay this guy sure. coming up that doesn't know any better. Nothing. Oh, that's right. Sure. Every <laughs> baseball know? team does that. Yeah. So whereas Tom King, He's going to cost me a fucking arm and a leg to understand, Tom. Tom, it's like every world's fucking art. (laughs) This next contract you sign is your big money deal, baby. That's the big one. That's the last one. That's the last one. No, but being a comic book artist and and writer, you have to, you know, you have to evolve, but not evolve too much. It's a hard battle because you want to be like the Beatles, right? You want to, the Beatles can't, you know, be be doing Meet the Beatles for eight years. Nobody's going to remember them. Each album has to be. But if they get too far away from what they do well, then it's shit. Like if I do my next comic is like, man, this is going to be, I'm going to take mushrooms and it's just going to be fucking me doing acid wash comics. Like it's, nobody's going to read that. Like I have to, I have to somehow. Uh, Vince B will. 
Yeah, Vince Vienna. I guess I got Vince. But uh, uh, like, like for my like like for my next three projects, I was, I was like, okay, I gotta get away from. If they're not about anxiety, they're. I mean, they're. they're you don't want to be the Beatles. You want to be Springsteen, baby. Yeah, you want to be. Springsteen. You want to span fucking decades. You want to. Yeah, that's what I was. You have to evolve <laughs> in the right way. You have to keep challenging yourself. That's why you, you asked me about 12 years series. And on the one hand, I'm like, yes, I love working. It's, I couldn't be more happier with the current projects I'm working on. Um, but then I was like, but I can't just write three 12 issue series for the rest of my life. I'll get stale. Yeah. If I write 70 of them, one of them will be the 70th worst 12 issue series, you know? So like you have to, I don't know, you have to keep finding new challenges in this medium. Do you like, think I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of similar to like Ennis and like Ennis writes a, writes a lot oh, of well, great, you know, like, six and 12 issue series, but then he's got those like 60, 80 issue runs that, that he's done. And so he's shown that he can do, you know, small, small segment stories and then big arcing sagas. And I think that, you know, you, you got to aspire to that, but a lot of that's already. Yeah. I mean, you, you I mean, and everything's balanced. Cause you know, I'd love to curve a Neil Gaiman or an Alan Moore, where you kind of just dip in and do the best comics ever and then dip out. But I also <laughs> yeah. like getting a paycheck. So <laughs> well, there's like, yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, it still goes back to me reading the, the pedophiles book, man. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> it all started with a pedophiles book. It all did. Start with the, the legacy yeah. of Tom King. It's just, God, if you ever see him punch him in the face, uh, but like, uh, but I, I work, um, I write to I, I write to what is it? I do the opposite. I I, I write to to earn money. I don't earn money to write. I I. I but you I, also write what you you also what you know, and you know I I keep seeing that in you in your books. You know, I, Mr. Miracle was was very much a war book, in, in as as I read it. Um, I just I just watched 1917. Have you seen that yet? Uh, no, I have not seen it. I want to see it. I know the one shot. Yeah, everyone's. It's me. don't watch it with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll keep away with kids. Um, and as you know, I knew that we were going to talk to you this week, and I and I watched it here over you know whatever the fucking weekend is. I lose track of fucking days now, but um, <laughs> I'll be ready. Deadlines so on I'm, Friday, Chris. Deadlines on Friday. <laughs> And so I'm rereading some of the, the miracle stuff in 1917. In 1917, it's, a, it's an amazing movie. I, I think that you will love it. Um, it's it's not one that you walk away from going, "Hey, let's go sing a happy song." Um, <laughs> it is it is absolutely about the the horror and devastation and 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 mindless destruction of war. Um, and I see that in, in your, I, I don't think that you're a big fan of, of war. <laughs> I mean, that's my takeaway. <laughs> I think you're right. I'm not a big fan. Is yeah. there anybody who's a big, I guess, yes, there are people who have not been in it who are, huge there fans, are so. lots of people that are big <laughs> fans in theory of, of war and, and have that, you know, yes, yeah. put me in coach. <laughs> arms dealers arms dealers are big fans you know it's they're a bunch of fucking assholes on the you know wisconsin state capitol with oh, their you know bang bang pow pow penis go. toys you know which i think here that they we go they, it's the political rant time of the show hold on yeah. let me get the yeah. uh the music ready for that 
rant. It's time for Chris's political rant. Right. Um, um, you you've been there, and I, you can't walk away from one of your comics and say, "Wow, war is fun." <laughs> it was, but you know, I I feel like honestly, like. Uh, you know what it's like living today where you have this incredible anxiety that every time you leave your house, you might die. Like that's war. Like, do you want to live in this? It fucking sucks. Like now it's I feel like we can finally terrible, all yeah. relate, all relate to it. Yeah. Do you guys I had really to feel fucking that way? scrub down coming home from the grocery store today? The, the, the other day I was in, the, you know, my, my grandfather was in, in world war two and, um, and he would never talk about it. Not a single word. You could ask uh, Europe or Pacific Pacific. He's one of the Pacific. Europe people usually talk Pacific. people. Mine too. That's, yeah. yeah. And because um, it was fucked up, and 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 I never kind of understood even even having gone off and done what I did because I don't mind telling a story here and there. My grandpa wouldn't talk about it at all. And I, the other day I was I was taking a shower and I was thinking about this time, and I was like, what stories am I going to create about this time? Just as a storyteller, and I was like, I don't want to create any stories about this time, this coronavirus time. I don't want to read stories about this coronavirus time. I want to put it in a fucking memory box and send it off to sea. Like like like. I, this is think, what it's really like. War is shitty and boring and fucking terrible, and people die. And uh, it's it's it, it, there's glory into it. And the people who fight it are fucking heroes. Don't get me wrong about that. I'm impressed by the people who do it. I'm not impressed by the actual event. That, that's a fantastic way to put that. Do you think we're going to see a, a you know a big change in what people are going to want to consume after this? Like, are we going to just want you know a lot of fantasy, a lot of uh, uh, you know, sort of, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a different period of time, like where we could, you know, cause obviously like the seventies cinema was a reaction to, you know, the sixties sort of free, uh, love uh, hippie kind of movement. And, and, and I'm wondering like, are we going to see that same kind of thing where people are not going to want to, you know, like you said, who wants to write about this situation, but we're all going through it. Are we just going to want? I think like... you're going to see stories about connection coming out of this because I think people are going to be starved for connection with other people. That's what I feel. I mean, to me, I mean, I keep going back to 1918. Like we've actually gone through, we've done this once, right? Yeah. Like 1918 was even worse than it is now. Like globally, 100 million people died, and it hit young people. And like this, you know, the only blessing is this: is our kids are safe, right? Um, so. And then what followed 1918? The fucking Roaring Twenties, right? It was a party for 10 years. <laughs> well, it was also coming out of fucking World War One. Yeah, but it was also... And, and what's interesting about that is you don't... And I was talking to... A, a, my college roommate became a, like a, a historian. And so we were talking about this. And he's, he's like, it's interesting looking back on that because there aren't really great novels and movies and stuff about the 1918 pandemic. Although it hit just as hard as this, people never made great art about it you'll find a you'll find 30 huge books about world war one and then the deep thing but even though the pandemic killed more people you're not going to find 30 great novels about it do, do you do you know who david brooks is the, the new york times columnist yeah yeah i don't yeah so uh, david brooks is on a, a pbs mini roundtable and and he's talking about how he's read a lot of He's catching up on pandemics. He said, "I'm reading. <laughs> I'm reading up about the up. the nineteen the nineteen eighteen pandemic, the 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 Spanish flu, which shouldn't have been called the Spanish flu because it started in fucking Kansas. That's not what he said. Um, a, those are my said, people. They were they were mis- maligned. 
<laughs> so you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of historical about it, but not a lot of on the ground history of it. And he said what he found out is that people didn't record what happened during the Spanish flu pandemic because they were fucking ashamed of how they acted during it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's going to be, I think we're going to sort of talk around it almost. Like, I don't think yeah. how we, do, I remember, do you remember when, I don't know, I mean, like, how are we going to comprehend this time? We'll never be able to comprehend. Remember when that tidal wave hit Indonesia and 100,000 people died and we're like, if that happened in America, it would change the world forever. I was like, it's happening yeah. right now. How is this? Yeah. Like how, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's funny because I'm working on stuff now that'll be published, God willing, on the end of this. And even I don't know how to write, scenes like do i write scenes where people are all wearing masks and hands like, like how do you or did you just ignore it and hope that everything returns to normal like what let mitch let mitch decide now let mitch decide if everyone has a mask on that is a good thing like well i mean i guess we're all hoping like at, at some point we figure out a way to to, to return to some sort of normalcy and there is no, there is no fucking normal. There's not been a fucking normal since like 1998. Would stop fucking seriously. There hasn't been a normal since 1998. Well, just because that's Maybe the last time you were comfortable, that doesn't mean it was the last time it was normal. <laughs> there has been. That's when Chris discovered beer. Ninety-eight. Like, <laughs> I was a sophomore in high school. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like. That's just an old man talking about. There's no such thing as normal. Everything is always changing. But normal relative to what we know is all I'm saying. Like, are things going to. For what, two years? Well, we weren't wearing masks and gloves to go to the Donald Trump was the goddamn president. That's not fucking normal. Relax. Relax there. This is an NPR. There is no normal. Everything is upside down. Black is white. Red is blue. It doesn't matter. God. Dogs and go. cats living together. Living together. <laughs> Here we go. The Germans are bombing Pearl Harbor. <laughs> are you done? Are you done with your <laughs> diet? There is no fucking normal. <laughs> there is no normal. Will we return to normal? Yes, we will return to normal. I agree. Yeah, I think I think of I, to some sort of normalcy. I don't think it's going to be you know. I, hopefully, we learn something from all this insane. I'll be honest with you. Like you said something, and 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 I I I want to know. Like, do you truly fear going outside right now? Do you truly fear going like to the grocery store? Or I mean, do you fear for your life right now? Because I don't I don't feel that sort of anxiety. I'm not, I'll be honest, like. This hasn't been that big of a change for me at this point, which is kind of weird. But like Sal doesn't Sal doesn't like, but you have to understand it. <laughs> Sal, this is like Sal's wet dream. Me holds up in my house away you know. for for two months well, and not have to talk to anyone. Let me look. Let me like. How the, old are your kids now? Sal? Well, that's. I was just gonna say, like one of the bright sides of this is my daughter is seventeen. She's graduating from high school she's going to college in the fall and like typically and now we're pretty lucky my daughter is is you know she likes to be around us still she never <laughs> you know you know what i mean like she didn't go no, through I understand. like your typical 17 year old teenage kind of thing i mean we we've had issues that kind of stuff like any other family but 
I feel almost like the other day we're all here and we've always spent a lot of time together. Me and my kids and my wife, the four of us, we've always been together a lot. And whether it was family vacations, going camping, whatever it is. And the other day, like we were all here and as we've been for fucking weeks, but there was just this moment, like I was helping my son with his homework and my wife and my daughter were in the kitchen. My my wife was helping my daughter. She was teaching her how to cut a pineapple. You know, nothing, no brain surgery, nothing. But it was just like, and I kind of forgot about all the craziness in the world. And it was just this moment of like, oh, yeah, it's just the four of us again, sort of hanging out and doing normal things. And it's simple. And it was it was a really nice little moment in time. And so for me, it's like, I'm, I'm hanging out with my kids more and, you know, and me and my wife get along great. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find sort of good things about this time. I mean, I guess part of it is like, I don't, I don't pay attention to the news at all. <laughs> cause when that's I do, smart. it's, it's that's smart. That's cause smart. it's just like, it doesn't add to your, no, that, that, that is what adds to my anxiety is just everyone sort of losing their fucking minds about having to be at home right now. And it's like, you know, come on, it's, it, it, this could be a lot worse than what it is. It's not, this isn't, this isn't it like, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. You know, and I, I understand it's, it, there's terrible things happening. People are dying and it's, and it's bad, but I mean, for a lot of us, it, it it could be way worse than this. And and for a lot of people in the world, it's way worse than this every fucking day. Yes. You know what I mean? And (laughs) so it's like, I don't know. Uh, You know, I'm sitting here talking to, you know, uh, two of my friends about comic books in a a night and having a couple (laughs) of beers. It could be a lot fucking worse. You know what I mean? Like, so I just try and take that into, into account. So it's like, when you said that, I'm like, really, is that, is, are you, like feeling that anxiety every day of like, I don't want to go outside because you're afraid of dying. It's like, man, that seems, that seems pretty extreme to me. And I hope you don't feel. Well, he's that all, way. he's also, he's also in DC. True. Yeah. That's a, that's a goddamn war zone anyway. <laughs> yeah. I li- well, I, I mean, that, so it's, it's a few things. Number one, I do. I live, I live in downtown DC. I live in a, uh, a, 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 a townhouse, you know, my wall is shared with another person's wall. And, right. and so, and uh, so I, I live in the middle of a city as opposed to a suburb or it's like, we're, yeah. we're all, very- we, all we, we all live in metropolitan or metropolitan adjacent areas. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, you're probably the most populous because Sal's out in fucking Villa park, which is like <laughs> my address, man. <laughs> Yeah, my stocking begins. There are like 80,000 <laughs> fucking people in Villa Park. I'm sorry if they hunt you down, you yeah. fucking paranoid jerk. This guy cross off. I live on 72nd time. Street in Milwaukee. <laughs> sure, like I believe that with your St. Louis hat. Whole thing's a fucking lie. Marta just heard that, and she's going to come down and be like, pull the goddamn plug, motherfucker. It, knock it off. Um, well, we all live so yeah, it's tangible. I walk out the, I got a grocery store, you know, hundred uh, yard from my backyard, and I go there, and yeah, it's everyone's wearing face masks. It's well, I'm not saying it's not weird, but I mean, I go to the grocery store, and it's not yeah. like I'm thinking, 
holy shit, I'm gonna. I mean, even if I get sick, I'm like, I'm not gonna fucking die from this. There's no fucking way I'm dying from well, this. No, I mean, yeah, and that's that. Yeah, but you know, yeah, it's it's still it's still scary. But back to your original point, it's like, yeah, whenever we come out of this, I don't know if I want Tom King writing a fucking pandemic comic. No, and he doesn't want to write one. I'll tell you that. Like. You know, but I do about- want. But I do want to write. It's it's funny you say like I don't want you. Yeah, I don't want to write directly about this. I never wanted to write directly about Trump with Mister Miracle. I don't want to. You can't. You know. I, I, but I want to. But I do want to write about sort of the forces at play here. The the paranoia and the fear and the, all that. I, I do want to write about the bigger things, not directly about this. Movie. It's funny. It's funny. Right. We had we had Tim we had on last week, and. Uh, and we're like, yeah, so are you going to write about this? And he's like, uh, have you not read fucking Revival? Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's like 60s, guys. <laughs> Do you have any plans right, to write any uh, anything outside of DC or, or Big Two? Any any more image or uh, creator well, room stuff? Image stopped paying its creators, so I think I'm going to stay away from them for a second. Oh. I didn't know that. Oh, <laughs> is that a recent development, or is that uh, is that that can't re- possibly be secret? Is it that? No, that image... started in two thousand four. We don't. No, I mean, the... it's it's not their fault. Diamond can't pay Image, so Image can't pay yeah. their creators. Oh, you're and, saying and that's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. current? That that's yeah. that's a current sort of situation. Well, I'm saying as if, not? at some point in as time, as you return to the normalcy, yes, Chris says we'll never it. get to. No, I didn't say that that it will. I said <laughs> things haven't been normal for a long fucking time. Just wrap yes. your head around that. It's just, there's it, always wrap my head around a statement that means nothing. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'll wrap my head around it. <laughs> uh, uh, I would. Tom, I would, Tom I would. the sooner you understand that we're an old fucking married couple. <laughs> and you're in known between that for literally 15 years, guys. <laughs> We only bring I'm on, on the inside. That's we, why I didn't like Scotty. I was like, "Stop cheating! Go back to your husband." We only bring on guests to mediate our disagreements. Yeah, yeah. You, You're our counselor, Tom. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I, is it, oh, no. so I, I'm, I'm sorry. I only know you. You're, you're the third person that we that we bring in to keep things interesting. I remember you guys getting in fights over pen models on the on the podcast. <laughs> pen models. But didn't, didn't you guys design pens or something? Wasn't that a? Am I imagining this? Oh, maybe my. I don't remember maybe I that. Was drunk. I don't but, know. Wasn't your day job back in the day or something? Oh, I, yeah, I worked for I worked for uh, Stanford. Oh, Mark, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, I thought Holy shit, I've gone insane. Bill Sharpie uh, three thousand. <laughs> yeah, wow. that was. I remember you talking about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. Everybody loves it. I got one right here. Tom, some Sharpie. Tom. Um, I designed this barrel graphic right here. <laughs> this is I what I have to more. do. This is he's, my home to yours, brother. My home to yours. All I can say yeah. is, have you ever used the Expo Blue um, dry erase marker? Yeah. Yeah. All it's I can good. say is, Chris is no big barda. That's that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> God damn! I'm assuming that was a penis comment. That was Mm-hmm. No, I meant uh, you know he's he 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 doesn't uh, I don't know I don't know what I meant I have no idea what I meant with that I don't, it doesn't yeah, matter Mr. Scott can so, free you so 
when you hear going back to dark side is because we didn't talk about that enough. Oh boy. <laughs> when you hear yes. it, like, cause it, one of the interesting things about you using that is I kept thinking like, how am I supposed to say it in my head? Is it dark side is, is it dark side is, is it like ominous dark side? You know what I mean? Like I dark side is, is it, is it sort of like you have to think eh, of it dark side Lytle. You guys, like, it's dark seed. I don't know why you guys are all fucking this up. Dark seed. Oh Jesus. Dark seed. Oh, well, you're wondering. No, even for A, it sounds like an A. It's a dark side. Dark side. Dark side. It's dark side. Dark side. Dark side is. We'll is. find out in the movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that'll. <little, laughs> we haven't even talked about that yet. You're it's ready. Dark seed. Dark. Dark. Dark seed. Who's playing Dark Side? Who's playing? <laughs> I'm going to announce it here, guys. <laughs> we thought maybe they're, we could. These are frescas, not, but they're full of vodka. Uh, <laughs> uh, the movie has not been cast. I don't know anybody who's playing any of it. Um, enjoying that experience? I know you can't really talk about the the movie at all, but it, for people that may not know, you're you're co-writing or how is that? How, co-writing. Co-writing. Um, co-writing what? The New Gods movie. The New Gods movie. They're making a movie of New Gods. They are. That's or a someday. bold. That's a. It's a bold move. So I'm trying to. Well, well, you know, it hasn't been made yet. So who the fuck knows? Nothing in Hollywood <laughs> turns real. That's my lesson in life. <laughs> who knows? This could so, all go to shit. No. <laughs> but I will write it as best I can. That's my. That's my goal. Yeah, we had we had James Robinson on the show once talking about uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he has only happy memories of that. Experience. Only happy memories. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not, I mean, not saying know? this could mar your career for decades. But, uh, Good, I'm glad that'll be remembered for. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your co-writer on on the New Gods movie. I'm not familiar uh, with her really, so if you could, you know. Uh, Ava DuVernay is one of just the hottest directors in Hollywood. Um, she made the miniseries um, about the Central Park Five, who are called the um, what's the new name for them? Anyways, but yeah, she's 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 utterly brilliant, and she's she's not a super nerd, but she's a huge big bar to stand. That's like her person. So really, yeah, she loves big bar to. So that's sort of how she found her way into this project, and she brought. She reached out to me through Twitter and said, I want to sort of consult with you. And Julian and I together flew out there and, um, and we talked about it for a long time. And then she called me and asked me to co-write the movie with her. And, uh, and she's, yeah, she's brilliant and she's a fantastic writer and it's going well. It's going to be all pablum guys. Movie shit just turns into pablum. You get like official fucking PR shit. Sure, sure. sure. No, no. Ask me about the end of the deal. It'll be much more fun. Cause you got, <laughs> are you, in, are like, you yeah, enjoying yeah, yeah, movie stuff is going to just be like, are you enjoying yeah, the no. process? Not yes. I mean, in that, like, it's fun to hang out with movie stars. Uh, yeah. and, 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 what it's, movie and it's stars? No, but it's, it's fun to like, 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 like they invited me on the, you know, I went, I grew up on the Warner Brothers lot, right? But, and my mother wanted me, had nothing to do. She's passed now, but she wanted me nothing to do with um, movie industry because she thought it was all just bullshit. And here you are. And here I am. So it was really like, it was surreal and very nice to be sort of like, Tom, come back and like to go up to the Warner Brothers lot to where, you know, I used to have lunch with my mother sometimes. 
and, and, and to go into that world and be invited there on my own terms and meet with the people who are doing the entire DC universe and be like, this is what we're going to do. And this is what the Batman movie is. And, like, and, 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 you know, participate in that conversation and to be like, you know, to, to, cause I, we've all said this as nerds, like the people who make comic books should be in that room. So I was like, thank fucking God, they finally invited one of us. So I yeah. You know, the, one of the reasons the Marvel movies are so good is because they made the, the brain trust the from the very room. beginning. Yeah. yeah. And they, they yeah. let the comic book people into the room. Yeah. Um, so that, that has been super exciting and, and working on the movies. I still enjoy writing comics more than I enjoy writing television and movies. Just as it's just in, in terms of like, uh, if I'm looking forward to my week and I have a comic book to write or a movie to write, a, a, a comic book week is a more fun week. Okay. I will say, yeah, it's just because well, I, I when I write a comic book, I know what it's going to look like at the end. Yeah. I know, like when I write, you know, sure. Flash, Catwoman. Mm-hmm. You're, much, you're much closer to the control point of it, and at this point, you can can you tell your editor to fuck off? Do you have a good <laughs> relationship with your editor? You're like, no, I'm not. Some Go ahead and tell him. Just anymore. tell him now. Just Throw it out there. Fuck off, whichever, whoever your editor is. Not have, fuck I, off, but no, I, I strongly <laughs> disagree with you, and this is how it needs to be. I'm edited, all my projects are edited by Jamie Rich, who's the best editor in comics. Okay. Uh, and um, we have a good relationship. He basically has, um, he reads my scripts and, and, and lets them go, but every, you know, two or, th- you know, every, every three, he'll be like, Tom, swing and a miss. This one didn't do it for me. And you need, you need a friend who will say that to you because you can get too high on your own supply and be like, no, I'm perfect. It's fucking, they need to say bat and cat 17 more times and people will love it. You know, let's fucking kill Wally West. Yeah. You can do all sorts of things that, that sort of just your arrogance leads you to bad places. So he's really yeah. good at slapping me in the face. The other day I was just, I was just talking to him the other day and I was like, I'm reading these comics by some of you know the people I love who they only reference their own comics in their comics, almost like they've made their own continuity world. Yeah. where they've decided the things I write are good. And for therefore there, I will only reference those things. I was like, if I ever happens to me, just slap me through the phone. This is very much an outsider's perspective looking in is that there, there was a time through Marvel and DC. It seemed like there were a lot of like 20 somethings just out of college editors that, really didn't kind of know their their ass from a hole in the ground but then there were some vertigo editors that were incredibly dialed in and and very well respected and of course for the you know uh, dark horse editors has the editor game changed at all do you do you see any like evening out where there are respected editors across the board or do you see that in different publishers and you don't have to name obviously that still haven't gotten that well i I think dc had some had some problems because they moved comics have traditionally been made in new york and they're and i think sure and i think that has been to the benefit of them um in the fact that the, the like if you loved comic books like comic book people generated went to that city dc picked up what what 2011, 12, 13, around then, mm-hmm. and moved to LA mm-hmm. um, after what, 75 years or something. And I think that was a tough transition. They lost a lot of editors who were just in it for the comics who stayed in New York. And they probably gained some people who were more like, oh, I need a job in entertainment. Comic books are hiring. Fine, I'll get that. And then I'll get my PA job afterwards. I, and I, I do think 
that has been a transition time for DC. And I do think they've come sort of through that time and hired the right people, people who really, because you have to, um, I mean, there are different stages of comic books. Like, like, so I was talking about Jamie Rich, my editor. He's one of the few people, he's, he wrote comic books. He wrote for, he, he used to head at Oni Press. Uh, he edited Powers. Um, and, and he edited that, Queen and that's, Country. That, that's a, you know. That's, that's where I knew the name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and uh, and he, he, he was also a writer. He wrote, he wrote some, he, he, he with, well, out with Joel Jones. He did a bunch of series. And, um, and so he comes from that. A lot of the editors say have never written. So unlike in the past when your editors were Marv Wolfman, Len Wein, um, you know, those, you know, uh, Jim Shooter, like we were talking about, who, you know, has the craziest comic book life of all time. But like, so, so I, I think, you know, I, I think they're getting through that transition period where they're now finding their feet of finding the people who love comic books to be the editors of the comic books, which I think is good. It's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to make comics. Some people can do it, but it's very rare if you don't come up in comics, if you don't, yeah, but love that can medium. that can be incestual too. I think it sometimes, too. yeah, I agree. It can go the other direction where you people love comics a little too much. I think we lost Chris somehow. I'm not sure what happened. He he disappeared, but oh well, whatever. We don't need him, Tom. It's me and you now, buddy. We got. Oh, it's me. <laughs> what, what happened was... to Chris? I don't know. He just like disappeared. He... I'm not sure what happened. I don't, I don't... Will he dial back in? Well, I, I'm sure he will. Either. But um. <laughs> Good. What... Finally, now we can talk shit about Chris. What the fuck is up with <sighs> that Jesus. guy? You know, he's been the Jesus. bane of my existence since. The I'm beginning. sorry you have to deal with it. I have utter sympathy <laughs> for you, man. No, it's uh, we we have a very. Uh, I don't know, uh, sort of odd couple thing, you know, but we love it's each other. great chemistry, man, yeah. since the very beginning, I'm telling you. Um, do you remember your original formats? I feel like I could tell them. First, you'd do comic news, oh and then you would do... <laughs> Top of the stack. you find that? You were... And then you would do, like, do you have like a, you had a pick of the week of somehow, or like Top you each did a pick of the week. We had, we Top had... of the stack, here, that's what listen, it was. I got the, I got the, here we go. Oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Flashbacks. I still get people. And then we would do, we brought on Future Stacks. which Future was, Stacks, yes. Remember that? And people still ask us about And that was like a joke. Like, we did that as a joke of, like, how could we recommend books that haven't even come out yet? Like, it was, it was sort of, <laughs> we were just like, we're going to get ahead of the game. And we're going to, you know, it's Future Stacks. But people still ask us about that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. Chris was really the driving force. I mean, it was such a weird happenstance of of like putting this whole thing together. And, uh, you know, Chris was sort of the driving force of organization. You know, I was just like, whatever, wing it. Put a microphone in front of me and I'll talk for three hours. I don't care. I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm just waiting for somebody to, to put a microphone in front of me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh uh he was really you know kind of like okay let's structure it let's do it this way and but then at the same time and i've told the i've i've told this story before but like i grew up listening to a lot of talk radio in chicago there was some like really great talk radio guys when i was young like steve Dahl, steven gary and jonathan brandmeyer and different guys like that that i loved and i listened to a lot of it so i sort of had that in my head from the beginning of like, okay, well, this is just, you know, and then Howard Stern obviously was another, you know, sort of guy that I listened to. And so it was just like, 
well, let's just do that. Let's just do that. But let's just talk about comics because it's something we like. But more often than not, we would get off of the subject of comics and just sort of ramble about whatever. And people seem to, to like that more than sometimes. Me. I was, I was the worst, like Chris and Tom had, as even though I had read comics longer than either one of them, I have the yeah. worst memory. Like I'm the same way. I feel that's how I feel. I don't have one of those memories where I'm like, Oh, that story. And this guy wrote that. And I have no idea. I, you know what I mean? Like I just can't, I can't produce those kind of factoids in my head. So those guys were really good at that. Um, you know, and like you, you always talked about like when we do the comics one one, you like that, those a lot. Yes. Like I still remember justice society <laughs> and flash, but those and... were like, I just had, it was like doing a book report. You know what I mean? Like I'd have to go back and like research all this shit, you know, to, to try and, put together a, a report of like, okay, this is, this is the entire history of this fucking book. Cause I, you know, I, I didn't know it. I, you know, but. that was before you could just go on comic by and just read it out loud. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no. Who wants to hear that? Um, Oh, I know. I, I was going to, so what was it like going on uh, the Seth Meyer show? And how many times have you been on there now? You've been on there a couple, right? No, just once. Oh, just, it was just the, the once. once? Okay. How dare they? They'll never ask me back. Like, no. screwed it up. Oh, uh, Christmas Neesman has entered. Should I admit him or should I put him in the waiting room and just let him? Let well, him if we stay? can't get Scotty, let's get Chris. Like, wow. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get a text from Scotty. I'm surprised <laughs> my phone at this point has not blown up. No, nothing. Nothing. That was the first podcast that made me cry when you guys did the Ringo episode. You remember that after he died? Oh yeah, yeah. you well, Scotty he, and Mike Norton. And... He was very close. Uh, yeah, I'm back. There he is. What happened? Where'd you go, buddy? I will technical difficulties. Oh, you got you get you got drunk and fell down, didn't you? No, I you I tripped. Had to get a book and I hit a cable. <laughs> professional. Oh professional. my god, I'm having a dream. All the time. It's okay, it's okay. Oh, oh you get that your squirrel. Baby. You get that squirrel. <laughs> she's she's going hard after it. She's going all the time. I had to take my dog to the oh. vet today. There she is. Look at her. Oh, she's cute. Aww. I had to my take girl. one of my one of my dogs to the vet. She is sleeping, which was a weird experience because they just met me in the parking lot. It was like a drug deal for dog. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. <laughs> they just came out to my car. I called them and I'm like, I'm here. And they came which out to one? my car and took my dog and and. Uh, <gasps> oh. Wait, who who took your dog? What? My vet. I I had to take Bella to the vet today. Oh, okay. She's got an allergy thing, so I go to the vet and I drive there and they're like, just call us when you get here. So I'm in the parking lot and I call them and they come out and get her and took her in and then brought her back. Here's Tom, have you ever heard the story of Zeus? His dog Zeus. My dog Zeus. No, I've never His heard dog story. Zeus. Yeah. Yeah. The mythological story? Yeah. Thunderbolts. <laughs> his, his, his dog Zeus is like a super dog. Um, got shot by a dog. cop. What? Your dog got shot by a cop? What did yeah. the dog do? What he did was, the cop do? I, he Everyone was, should be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, chasing a mailman, and he's a he's a um, uh, American bulldog, American bulldog, pit bull yeah. kind of looking, okay. but bigger. Yeah, and um, I guess he was chasing a, a mailman, and the cop saw it and shot him. So <laughs> that was the cop's reaction to yeah. shoot the dog. <laughs> And so he got put into the. And he survived. He survived. Yes. 
Yeah. And then he was, he was at like the Chicago animal control center. They patched him up. My wife. He was shot twice. Dog. Nine millimeters. He's getting yeah. shot twice. Yeah. Still has yeah. the scars. You can see him. But, um, he went to the Chicago animal control. They patched him up. He healed up. And then after that, they put him out on like the floor to get adopted. And he got attacked by another dog and that dog like ripped up his paw. So they took him off the floor and I guess they have a rule once he's on the floor or once they take him off the floor, they can't put him back. Okay. So then he got taken by this rescue and then Marta, Chris's wife. My wife. And we had just lost two of our, we had two dogs, two pit bulls for like 15 years each. Yeah, my dog's part pitch. She got some good pit in her. Yeah, and uh, we had just lost both of them, and then we were looking for another dog, and yeah, we met. And Marta, Marta messages Kim. It's like <laughs> you need this dog, and <laughs> and Sal is just like, no, I'm fucking done. I do not, <laughs> not want. I do uh, one more fucking dogs, and uh, and Kim kind of muscled you into it, nah, and he's like she the best dog she, ever. She would not. She would not say that. I was actually the one that was like, okay, it's it's a little quiet around the house. Maybe we could think about a dog. And So you're the big softy is what it is. Well, I just like having dogs here because I know nobody's coming into my house without me knowing it. You know? <laughs> so, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I don't need them to like protect the house, but just wake me up and I'll... I'll, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll do the dirty work. So, Tom, what's it like in DC? I've, I've always, it's, I know people that live in Baltimore and live in the, the outskirts. What's it living in DC? It seems like a really oddball town. It's an, it's an oddball. Well, I grew up in LA and I went to school in New York and then came to DC. So, DC has felt, felt small to me at first because you can, you can walk one end of DC to the other. Sure. Um, so, the, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's been a little crazier lately. I live about three blocks from the Capitol. If you, I walk my dog around the Capitol every day. Just to, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. Cause it's a beautiful, like, you know, the public space, the mall and all the museums are free. And I mean, I, I love it here because at least this used to be true. When I first got here, people generally come to DC because they have some desire to save the world. Like people come to LA cause they want to be famous. People go to New York cause they want to be rich. People come to DC cause they want to help. Or, and, and, and I mean, half of that is an ego trip. So I think you, you deal with sort of that thing. But there is sort of this general spirit of, you know, people trying to sort of help the world here, which I which I enjoy. But I, I don't know if we truly my wife is a lobbyist lawyer kind of person. So I'm kind of on the edge of that D.C. culture. Um, but uh, so do you go to like parties and she's just like, yeah, I'm lobbying for, you know, like save the world. And you're like, yeah, I write Batman. <laughs> it's 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 t- like. It's funny because, you know, everybody here is a lawyer or some sort of, you know, government employee. And I go, and I was like, yeah, yeah I, write, I write Batman. And then suddenly people, oh, that's because it's like something that finally you can talk, ask questions about because they're tired of talking to their <laughs> I bet. They're like, oh, uh, do you draw the pictures? You know, that same questions they ask every single word. Then you it say, was, I, I write Mr. Miracle. And they're like, who's that? It was, yeah, that's that was nice. It was nice to be on Batman. That was honestly the... <laughs> Besides the money, oh God bless the money. But uh, the, 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 <laughs> the number one thing working on Batman is it just made your life normal because you could tell people like, "Oh, what are you feel? I, I write Batman." 
And people are like, what what Batman? You're like, oh, just the Batman. You read the Batman, though, the one Batman book? It's like the one job. The book Batman. No, exists. Batman. Now I tell people, you know, what do you write? I write, yeah, Strange Adventures. Just, you know, they'll be like, what the fuck is that? You don't really have a job. What do you do during the day? <laughs> you, do sh- you do Sharpies? Is that what you do? You do Sharpies, you know? Like, that's... So it's it's harder now. So I, think I tell people, well, I, I write Batman. That's what I that's tell good. them. It's just yeah, easier. It's just, it is. It is easier. To tell I write them. Batman. They can't check. Yeah. They're not going to go to a yeah. comic book store and look. You know. <laughs> yeah. like, I get on like Elf Quest. Can I? It, can I ask? Well, Offer on Ubers. If you're in an Uber and it's like, what do you do for me? Oh, I, I write comic books. Oh, what do you write? Oh, Batman. Oh, I've heard of you. And you're like, oh shit, he has my address and he's heard of me. <laughs> 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 Did you? Uh, are you the one that killed Alfred? Is that you're is the that one the next... that killed? What the Did fuck happened with that Alfred? wedding? What happened with that wedding, buddy? Hey, um, that... speaking of Alfred, uh, have you watched Pennyworth? I have not. I have not watched Pennyworth. on on the E picks. Is it good? It should, I, should I catch up with it? Is it good? It's good. Uh, it's really fucking good. It's really dude. good. All right. All right. I'm into it. Really, I want you to write a Pennyworth comic. Okay. <laughs> As penance. Uh, you have to well, write it as I, penance. But he's dead free. now. Like, oh. <laughs> oh. Next, you can go back and it's comics. No one's ever dead. And you can write from any time point. It's yeah. yes, watch Pennyworth. It's awesome. And I want you to write a Pennyworth comic. How uh how much shit did you get for that? Was it no like, shit. No shit. None? That was so weird. Really? That was very uh, you know, you're in the wet line. No, when the wedding came out, um, so much shit for the wedding. Still getting shit for the wedding to this day. For the, the wedding, <laughs> a wedding that didn't wedding happen. That never was. That was that was that was the worst one. Like it's, I still get people mad at me. Um, people love a wedding. I mean, when when you know we killed off all those D-list superheroes and um, heroes in crisis, you know, people were like pissed that I. You know, oh, you narc! No, he was my favorite caveman from the <laughs> Middle Ops Teen Titans book. I don't. I know. will never forget an interview we did with Shin after he killed Stiltman, <laughs> and he and he said, "You always have to be careful because anyone you kill is someone's favorite character." Yeah, it's it, it's and it's it's very and God, you know, when we revealed that that. That Wally did not actually kill everybody, but accidentally his power came out and killed people. But it got a the internet said Wally killed these people. Um, that was a big deal. But when Alfred died, people were like, "Yeah, cool, about time." You know, it, was, it was very <laughs> out of time. It was very much like like it was. It's because he's an immigrant. It's funny. You know, I talked to to to, to, wow. to Snyder about the end. He did, he did death of the death in the family. And it, it teases the end that somebody's going to die in the very last issue and nobody dies. Um, and he said that's the most shit he's ever gotten in his career because people really were like bloodthirsty for death. And, and, he, he's, he, and he's like, no, it's the death of the family. You know, they're not a family unit. It's like, oh, fuck that. I want blood. I want someone I want dead. someone <laughs> in a coffin. You said death. I want death. Where God is damn. the coffin? So, when, yeah, when Alfred died, it was, it was mostly... Um, People were like, "Oh my God, where is this going to go?" More than I fucking hate you, which well, is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was, it was, very, very, su- very surprising to me. I don't I mean. Uh, I mean, who knows if Alfred's going to stay dead? That's kind of. I mean, it doesn't I only, I only say this. I wouldn't think so. No, I do say this seriously because of that and because of your experience. You should absolutely do a Pennyworth comic. 
Mart is yelling at him to shut up. Shut up, Tom King. Uh, <laughs> that's good. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of assumed you would have gotten a lot for that, but I guess people. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I got more for 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 Batman hitting Tim in the face. The people were really mad about that. What? Um, a little moment, yeah. I got more shit for. I mean, I've gotten shit for every single thing ever, but yeah, well, that no. Means you're doing no, it right. Pennyworth wasn't one. Wasn't one of the ones. Oddly enough, you're doing. And it. He sold a shit ton of issues. <laughs> so, that was good too. Hey, can I ask a couple of questions from your your loving public? There's some people on YouTube that have asked oh. some questions. Is that yeah, okay? Of course, yeah. All right. And if you guys need to go, I can go too. I don't want to keep you guys. I know we're. I love how Tom. If, if I'm bothering you, I'll leave. No, no. I have no. Same here. If you want to go, just let us know. Just give well, us a signal. I'm at your disposal, man. I owe you, like I said, I owe you guys life debt. So whatever. <laughs> I'm going to call a hard stop in three minutes. Okay. I'll three. answer very quickly. Uh, well, you can. I can stay with Tom. You don't need to. <laughs> I can finish this show. Um, uh, all right. So Jay Park said, uh, I met Mr. King at C2E2 this year. It was super cool. I wanted to thank him for being so kind. I'm an aspire. Uh, I'm aspiring to be a cartoonist, and I wanted to ask him for any writing ad- advice or tips. So. Uh, I, I usually say the same thing, so if I already said this to you, I apologize. Alan Moore wrote a book on how to write comics. That's an insane thing that actually happened, and you can buy it off of Amazon. Go buy the book. It, he literally like breaks down. Hey, this is how I'm the best writer who's ever written comics. Write comics. <laughs> Just and it's this. and it's told in simple language and it's easy to follow. And it, like any advice I could give you is going to be less than he could give you. Buy it's it's like thirty pages. I, I I read it and I still think about shit I read in it when I write. So yeah, go go out and buy that book and and and, and it'll help you learn how to write. Well, there you go. Um, Greg McKeon said, Hey guys, can Tom talk about the inspiration behind the dark side, dark seed, dark side war green lantern special? How did that issue get put together? What of my favorite Tom King issues? So proud to own a page. Oh, I own a page too, dude. Uh, up there, the doc. Shiner. How did that issue come together? What was the inspiration? I don't I love doing crossover events. I don't like writing them, like being the main person. I like when someone's like, hey, Tom, here's an issue you can do. Uh, I like being part of them better than being the leader of them. <laughs> uh, so Jeff, I don't know, I got five picked, and, and Jeff said, um, he gave me the parameters, and it was like, Green Lantern has to become a god at, <laughs> at some point in the book, can become the god of light. And... Um, I think it's like an important plot point. Yeah, important plot point. <laughs> and um, and then I was like, oh, well, if he becomes God at the end of it, that means he can undo whatever I do in the beginning of it. So that gave me the freedom to do whatever I wanted up until page 18. <laughs> um, and then I looked at Doc's art. And I was like, man, this is just the most gorgeous art of all time. And so I just leaned into that. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the real inspiration for it was as soon as I started writing, I'm a Star Trek guy. I love Star Trek. And I realized that Hal Jordan is is bill shatner they're the same character they're he's captain kirk oh like oh really? no yeah dude he's Come like on. he he's the guy who looks at god and says why does god need a starship no. he just has no fear man he just wants to explore he just wants the next thing i'm gonna and flip it say that that kirk is hal jordan <laughs> who came first hal jordan or but it's 
So boom, boom, Tom King, take that. Yeah. Um, Did Will Shatner ever sell insurance? I don't think so. Door to door, door to door toy salesman. Who had to dig deeper for it? Do you know there was a DC comic about a guy who sold life insurance on other planets? That's a character I really want to revive. I think that's the coolest concept of all time. So, like, every issue was, like, he'd go to a planet and be like, I have to sell you life insurance. Like, we're immortal gods. Why would we need life insurance? And that would be, like, the problem they would have to solve. Yeah, I'm Ned. Needle nose Ned. Ned the head. Hal Jordan is Chuck Yeager. Come on. (laughs) Hal Jordan is for well, not the way for I, so sure. I write him as Captain Kirk, and I and that idea that he he's the kind of guy who if you ask him to be God, like every other like Superman, be like, no, I can't take on the responsibility. You know, Hal Jordan's like, fuck yeah, let me be God for. Have a you second, ever you know? have you ever read anything about Chuck Yeager? Of course, I've yeah, I've never read Chuck. Yeah, I've read the uh, the right stuff. I guess I've read one. The right God damn it, Sal. Chuck Yeager's still alive, right? Chuck Yeager is still with us on this uh, earth. I believe he is. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you watched uh, Discovery uh, or Picard on CBS? I have watched Picard. I have not. I don't watch the first season of Discovery. So. Uh, watch second season of Discovery because it's a bunch of the Christopher Pike stuff. And yeah, 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 yeah. it's awesome. You will fucking love it. Okay. All right. I'll check it out. Pike, Whenever he says that. Guaranteed, you're not going to like. Absolutely, it. you will. Yeah, no, you will fucking. Do you know how many up. things over the sure, years? I'm still mad he forgot a country not being through CIA. So we'll see if this is your <laughs> second. <laughs> second season of of Discovery. It's it's. You will fucking eat it up. You will love it. All right. Although right. Pennyworth I'll, I'll is really good. Pike, Pike is your kind of character, dude. Pennyworth and Pike. All right, I'm onto it. I'm into it. Um, we catch up, Tom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm slacking. Back to uh, Seth. I'm watching Ozark now. That's doing like like the rest of the world. I'm I'm behind. I've get it good. Like it? Yes. Third season is good. All the the kids seem to like it. SNL. So I figure it's got to be good. Yeah, it's good. It's nice little crime series. Takes me on the day. I don't mind. Yeah. yeah. Discovery season two. (laughs) You'll like it. Jesus Christ! Get off of it already. Come on. Jeez, I'll write it. I'll watch it right now on a fucking podcast. What do you want from me? <laughs> Try to play it cool. Where's my iPad? Fucking dial it up. Dial, put it on. Put it on, goddammit. Look at this. I got a goddamn Carmine Infantino book down here. It's one of a biography of him, and you took him oh, into a goddamn awesome. stairwell. Carmine. We almost killed him. We almost you killed almost him. killed him. It could have been I our did. legacy. I did. I felt bad. <laughs> I was like, is it worth it? I'm like, it's always worth it, Tom. So it's about the show. <laughs> Jesus. I was a little obsessive back then. Was that the same show that we um we had to try and get uh what's his name? Agent uh Agent of Shield, um the guy with the white Stranko. hair. Stranko, is that when I Stranko. got when I was that? Stranko into the New York Comic Con? Were you yeah. the guys who were in line with Stranko and they didn't know who he was? Was yeah. that you? Yeah. That was us. Oh, I gave him my press badge to get in. <laughs> I told I was on, I was on my fanboy. And I was like, remember that time you were in line with Stranko? They're like, that never happened. I was like, you son of a bitch. Us. That was you guys. Huh? I remember you that. Son of a bitch. That was us. That was me. I I'm gave old. my press badge. I'm 40. 40. I don't remember things. I wish I was 40. 
<laughs> and so, and so, and so, I'm 41. Renko gets in and he turns around as he's walking through security with my press badge. And he's like, I owe you one. And Sal looks at me, and he's like, You fucking cash that shit in. <laughs> fucking A. That's Storenko. God damn it. Storenko. I mean, he's crazy, but yeah. Storenko tells a story. I've heard him tell it multiple times of has his first day at Marvel, how he walked into standoffice cold. Didn't know any, anything or anyone. Gave samples of his work, which was just like a few pictures. Stanley came out of the office, looked at the samples, brought him. He says this with a straight face. Brought him back into the office and pointed to every single Marvel book and said, "Based on the samples you've given me, I'll give you any one of my books and kick the creative team off for you." That's that's, that's bullshit, the story. Though. He says how he broke it. So, he, like, he tells you this to your face. You're like that cannot possibly so be true. Starenko, the though. world does not work that way. That you give <laughs> a few so, samples. Of, I'm so taking st- Jack Kirby off a book. Some guy just said, me, "Give me a page." It's so Starenko, <laughs> but it's also so fucking Stan <laughs> that it's it's fucking believable. <laughs> Maybe it's true. Who knows? I'm Maybe. saying that's hey, that's I, the I story so. he gives. I'm here to make the kids happy. No you fucking way. Pick whatever book you want. We'll put you on it. That's much more of a Steranko story than it is a Stan. Story. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely more of a Steranko story. <laughs> but you can see Stan being like, "Kid, whatever you want. Yeah, X Men. Nah, they suck. Spider Man, it's yours." <laughs> Have you, uh, Tom, in your meteor- meteoric rise as a superstar writer in comics? I love how well, this question is going so far. I can only um, get from here. <laughs> have you had that? Have you had those moments yet, where like a creator that you know, a writer or an artist in comics that you, whose stuff you loved, like came up to you and 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 you know said something nice about your work, which surprised you, or like have you had that happen yet? Or am oh I- yeah, like a. I mean, I'm, I'm not bragging that people say it all the time, but I'm just very intimidated by a ton of people. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I don't know, I remember being at the at the Eisners and, you know, a guy came up to me, a British, you know, British dude. And he's like, I just want to say how much I love Mr. Miracle. And I was, and I was, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, Look for me. I was like, and then like, my brain's like, that's Dave Gibbons talking to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're like, oh. Well, and you're like and you're like oh but i stole it all from you how can you like this thing it's like that's why he likes it it's why he likes it it's 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 like the like you know uh john lennon going up to the to the monkeys and be like man uh, i love that fucking song you know last train to clarksville yeah last train to clarksville you guys nailed it on that one real catchy tune it's upbeat i like it um so yeah i mean there's there's stuff like that a lot of um you know and then people i worship like um you know i go i go to um, every year in Baltimore now I have I have a, a lunch with the Simonsons and and then we bring oh. and we try to bring another guest or two um, like we brought Joe Giella who you know he inked the Flash of Two Worlds and um, and so but just seeing with the Simonsons though they were like the first comic book I ever wrote Walt Simonson I I the read Walt Simonson wrote it yeah and then the, and Louis Simonson was my favorite writer when I was a kid on New Mutants and X Factor and all that stuff and Power and Pack they're, they're and, just they are Power Pack they're loved the Power best. Pack. Yeah, I have, I have a, actually, I mean, I've shown this before, but it, this, is, this is like, I, I keep this up here as my idea. Like, there's the Simonsons and me and Frank Miller. It's like, man, that's pretty cool. I got to that point where I'm going to picture That's kind of neat. You've yeah. talked about that before, about like, that's sort of your uh, ideal, how to live a life. You know, those people yeah. in that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah I, I try to, I try to like, what would Walt do, you know? Because like, I, I look at Walt's career, man, to do made his mark. He goes to every con and he has a huge line. He's not charging. He's just doing it for fun. 
Uh, he's still doing art in his day. I mean, that's like, for a long time, if you were a young comic book writer, there was no people above you who had were happy about their lives. Very first comic ever bought. Is this going to be uh, every episode? We're going to see this fucking comic Walt book. Si- Walt Simonson cover. Dave Gibbons interiors. Oh wow! Look at that. That's crazy. He Dave didn't Gibbons buy that. He bought that. He bought that eight years ago at New York Comic Con. He pulled it out of a bin. I was there. Don't let him bullshit you, Tom. <laughs> you you, are, you are an old. You are an old cousin. <laughs> yeah. We are. Seth no, Myers. You never told me. What yeah, was it like going on Seth Myers? Well, it's the best. Uh, it was good. It was, you, you know, we, he, he or I fucked it up. So Clay, Clay Mann is still mad at me to this day. Uh, and I mean that in a quite a literal way. Uh, so it was supposed to, I was supposed to be on there to promote Heroes in Crisis. That was like my gig. That's why, not, not why I got the gig. I got the gig because, because Seth was a fan. He walked into a comic book store and asked if they knew me. And that guy contacted my con agent and got me on that show. Um, but, but, but DC's like, okay, you're going on there. You're promoting something. You're promoting Heroes in Crisis. So he was supposed to ask me three questions and you go over it ahead of time. Like, do you have three funny stories or whatever? And first you go over it with, the guy on the phone and then you go over with the producer and then Seth comes in and you go over with him. So you like, and then, so the three questions, it was like, you know, um, tell me a story about being in the CIA. Tell me a story about being in comics and what's up next. Like it was like, it was basically right. those three questions. Uh, or no, do your, are your kids into comics? And I, so I told the CIA story, I told the kids in the comic story and, and I was waiting for him and Clay man had flown out with his wife so we could make this big announcement. So I'm on stage with him and, 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 and he's like, and I'm telling the end of the kid's story and whatever. I finally, I'm finally comfortable. I'm finally relaxed into it. People are laughing. He's like, great. Well, thanks for being here. And I was like, no, you didn't ask the whole reason I'm here. So I never said Heroes in Crisis on the show. <laughs> and Clay is on the audience and his wife and the DCPR come off. And these people are like, like, they're all freaking out. They're like, oh, we told our bosses we were here to promote something. You didn't fucking promote it. I was like, he never asked the question. <laughs> yes, but I'm like reading fucking comics fucking uh, so, uh, like, well yeah. they're gonna read my next project which oh, is I heroes in crisis <laughs> my one regret about that show is i should have taken a xanax beforehand because i was it took me like five minutes to get comfortable and start making jokes i was super nervous when I got oh there. i bet but yeah, but yeah he, he was really nice he came back my wife was there he met my wife and um we did have that moment where, where he, he comes up to me and he's, he's like tom I'm, I'm i'm your biggest fan miracle man is my favorite comic book like, I love Miracle Man so much. And I was like, I guess we're just going to have to call him Miracle Man from now on. I wasn't going to correct him. I was like, ah, Miracle Man. That's good. I did that like two uh, episodes ago. I was talking about your book. I'm like, uh, you know, the Miracle Man. And Chris and Tom are looking at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? He didn't do a miracle. I'm like, Miracle Man, Miracle Man. We we look at him like that a lot. Well, you so, know. Okay, that makes sense. That's not. You nice. should have heard what you're saying about you, about you off air, man. It was, it was cool. <laughs> no, never. Old married couple. How dare you? Old How, married couple. How dare you? I would never. I would never say anything bad. Dark side is. It, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's my legacy. Dark side is, and hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Kite man. How did? Why, why did you? Where did that come from? The whole kite man, hell yeah thing. Like what, what prompted that, that as was, a running um, joke? Do I have the issue? If you look at the first time kite man appears, it's in an Ivan Reese issue of Batman. I think it's issue six. Um, 
And I literally was, it was an issue about my grandmother had just died. And I was writing about um, death. It was just like a sad issue where Gotham girl realizes her brother's dead and has to kind of deal with it. And then Batman reveals his parents died, blah, blah, blah. You know, the usual stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I need some punching in this issue because that's boring if it's just two people talking the whole time. So I was like, I'm going to use the worst villains just so I can do some fun punching stuff. And I literally Googled worst Batman villains and picked three of them. <laughs> um, it was I got the blimp guy, I can't remember his name, Captain Starf, Stelfreeze, who's the, the stupidest one, and Kite Man. And I put him in a nine panel grid, a very Tomish move. And, um, and it was a fun, like the camera's following him and he like, you know, goes into an apartment, grabs something and goes out the other way through nine panels. And, and, and in the middle of the panel, the fifth panel, which is the middle one, he says, Kite Man, he shouts his name out because his name's so stupid. <laughs> and, and that was it. That was what it was supposed to be. And, and when Ivan got the, the pages, he drew the first six panels. I think he got fucking tired. Like, fuck this nine panel grid, stupid new writer. And he drew like a little, <laughs> and he drew a, he drew like a little mini kite man splash at the end with no background of kite man, just kind of sitting there, um, you know, holding the jewelry he had just stolen. And so it looked really weird on a page for him just to say kite man. And then to have this sort of big beat at the end where he says nothing, it was in the original script. It was silent. I was like, man, I got to, he had to say something. <laughs> like, I didn't know what to say. The clock was ticking. I used to do thing on Twitter. If so I saw it really stupid, I'd say, hell yeah. So I was like, okay, he says kite man, hell yeah. And then it was literally just to fill that stupid Ivan Reese half splash. <laughs> that's amazing. And, and now that's it's why on fucking t-shirts. Awesome. <laughs> that is yes. why comics are awesome. And that's why comics are awesome. Yeah. I was so, yeah, gonna have you came this gauge catchphrase. Have you um <laughs> did you read the uh Mark Miller book uh Starlight? Yes, I did, yeah. Beautiful there... with um uh, what's his name? Um uh Gordon Parlov. Gordon Parlov, yeah. Parlov's yeah. awesome. He's amazing. Did a bunch of the the punishments, right? Yeah, the uh yeah. with Ennis, yeah. But uh, Yeah, he's he's a fucking boss. I was thinking about that book when uh, reading the first issue of Strange Adventures a little bit, not not to try and draw any parallels necessarily. No, no, but, for sure. But I love that sort of like idea of you know what we kind of see or think, you know, in revisionist history, and then sort of seeing maybe the reality isn't as pretty. And obviously, there's a ton of yeah. things you could relate that to in in your life. I'm sure your experiences that kind of thing, and and just general you know politics and the the world as we know it especially of late but um with with that book in particular like are you know was the idea to look at current events and write about that or was it just you know more of the character and then trying to come up with something that made sense with that character, or, or was it a combination of those sort of things, or was it something completely different? Well, it's funny, because so like, I don't think of it as an influence, but I think unconsciously it was, because my reaction to that book at the time was, I loved it. I think, I think it's a really great book to this day. It's one of the best of the Miller World books. But I always felt just as a sad, depressed, dark person that that book has such a happy ending. <laughs> um like and, uh, and the whole time i'm waiting for the twist where they were because people haven't read it, it's about an old guy who kind of returns to his flash gordon world right and then and rediscovers his wonderfulness and i was always waiting for that twist where he would find out that no this is all just a fantasy world go fuck yourself kind of thing because it's it seemed like the story yeah but instead it ends up with like yeah he conquers the world again and he's happy at the end it's right. like such a hollywood it's a very hollywood and i remember being disappointed by that in that sort of that watch many way where i was like 
no, it's you, you didn't find the cynicism in this concept, or you know, like, like this is too uh, fucking happy. What the yeah? Fuck? How how dare you have a, a happy ending here, Mark Miller? Um, so I do think in some ways that that was somewhere in the back of my mind, but sort of unconsciously. Yeah, I mean that was the whole thing. It's the it's I mean the, books like Starlight they're all based based on Flash Gordon, um, which is based on Tarzan, which is like these these turn of the century books that were really based on, you know, this colonial idea that like a white dude can go to a foreign land and he's kind of boring here. He's boring in America, boring in England. And he can go to a foreign land and he can become a fucking king. And he Lawrence can marry of a Arabia princess. Or, or Adam yeah, Arabia. Strange. Yeah. Adam yeah, Strange. Yeah, it's Adam Strange. That's all, that's just, that's, that's the, yeah. the template for that guy. How, how much John Carter is in Adam Strange. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, no. Huh. Adam Strange is a, is a direct ripoff of John Carter. That's a direct ripoff. Oh, I mean, I guess no. John Carter came from, but like you know, it's it's Flash Gordon, it's John Carter, it's Buck Rogers, it's it, 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 it's it's it's, Brit- it's British imperialism. It's British. It's it's the second son of a British family going to India, and he's like, I'm boring back here. I go to India, and I'm a fucking king. Yeah. Um, and uh, and, and so I wanted to write about that both. You know, that, that story, first of all, it's appealing. It's some, I mean, it is, there's something wonderful about that story, the idea that you go to a foreign land, but it's also, it's malicious, you know, it's that. that it's, yeah, it's, it, it's wonderful and horrible. It's wonderful and horrible at the same time. Yeah. And and so I wanted to, to write about that in terms of sort of the fantasy of what that is and the reality of what it is. And then I realized it was at Mitch's house. I was like, well, we can, if we're doing the fantasy and reality, we can do two different artists to one to present the fantasy and one to present the reality. And and Mitch and Doc are best friends. And oh. I'd work with Doc on one issue. I was like, if I could combine, because that's what Doc does. Doc draws the dream of comics. Right, let's right. And Mitch draws the reality of, of the world. He's the best sort of ground, one of the best grounded guys in comics. I, to me, he's the best. Doc's, Doc's art in that is just fucking oh. it's, it's Doc is stunning. That is so, so good. Both of the guys have upped their game. I think as well, I mean, Mitch always, comes, but Doc is now coloring himself for the first time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, these are guys that are inking, um, uh, you know, penciling, inking, and color. I mean, it's all digital, but they're doing, this is their utter vision of what it should be. And they, they have utter control over their art and, and at their, at the top of their game, you can't ask for more than that. Um, so yeah, so it, it became that it's, it's evolved more. Cause I think I imagined doc to be more of an idealistic version of it. And as he started drawing and sort of responding to what he was drawing, I was realizing that, that docs doc can portray some of the, the more savage aspects of the story. And so, Actually, his side has evolved from an idealistic version to sort of an idealistic telling of a tragic or a, a, a more um, rounded story than just the ideal version. So I, interesting. I, I, hate, I hate building the 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 film, you know, analogy to this. But do you feel like comics have become more where the writer is more of the director of of the production or is that is the editor the director does it depend on the series does it depend on the creative team do you feel like you know creative director or screenwriter or you know what what you know is there a parallel there that you that you feel or is it completely different because it's a different medium I, I, I don't think, I mean, I've never, look, I, I've, I've worked on one movie. It's this new God's movie at the very beginning of it. I'm sure yeah. 30 years from now when it's made or two years from now when it's made, 
Um, I'll have different perspectives on what the job. So I couldn't, I, I mean, I, I only know from what I read what a director does as opposed to a writer. I haven't experienced it firsthand. But, but um, in comics, it's not like a screenwriter where you're like, okay, here's the, here's the, you know, the, this is the script and now I'm passing it off and I'm walking away. You're still involved with it until it's like, okay, this is going to press, right? Yeah, so to me, I mean, I, I, I would say that the writer is, if you had to do analogies, I'd say the writer is the screenwriter and the co-director. The artist is the co-director and the cinematographer. Um, and so you kind of, I, I think that's the, that, that'd be the better way. That, that you're both the directors of, of the book in, in, yeah. some sort, in some sort of way. Um, and, but he's also the, you know, he's also the clothes designer. <laughs> he has a lot more jobs. Sure, sure. You know, but, it, but it's not, <laughs> the, it's not the, old, it's not the old, not the bullpen anymore. Um, I mean, it, but it's like, I, my scripts are super open. Or, I mean, I, I write full script, but I, they're super open. Um, you know, like, uh, I'll do something like Superman on the moon holding a flag, you know, you can do whatever you want with that. That's, 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 that's and then and a splash. You're that's not Alan Moore. Who's talking about the worm blow, the, you know, the earth that are, you know, have created a community that are, you know, feeding into the, the no, scene but are... I'm also not. But you know, when I when I came into comics, we took my internships. I came in at the time they were sort of they they were, the Marvel style was still being used. There were still guys like Roger Stern and, and John Byrne and um, Walt Simonson, guys who wrote you know like literally a two page synopsis of what the book would be with no dialogue, no anything. And then the the, the so I'm I'm not that either. Even today, like I read a script by um, uh, Snyder or, or or Williamson or. Like their, their scripts are much more like, Hey dude, uh, maybe this could be this thing, or maybe this could be this thing, or, you know, try, try to do something like this and for the next three pages, put a fight. And I, I don't do any of that. So I'm a little more strict than that. Where I'll be like, <laughs> I'm like, there's six panels on this page. This is what's in every panel, but my descriptions yeah. are very small. Yeah. Um, Tony terms- talking about that uh, with uh, working with recommender and Rick would say for the next three pages, go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I was on. Uh, I was in a, a panel with. Uh, um, I'm gonna scrub his name, but Yannick Paquette, um, Yannick Paquette, uh, the the Canadian um, artist who I worked with on Batman '69, and he was talking about working with with um, Grant Morrison on Wonder Woman. He's like, he's he's like two page spread, love everlasting. <laughs> it's like that was like that was the description. <laughs> that is a, so fucking Grant Morrison, and that is amazing. <laughs> you, uh, with Strange uh, Adventures, any thought to doing like um, some painted covers? You know, almost like old book. You know, Edgar Rice Burroughs sort of. Yeah, um, all those things. No, I think we'll, we'll, we're we're going to stick with. I mean, this fortunate the the virus actually helps with this, but it's very rare that you can have. Um, covers of the book these days talk to the interior because the covers have to be, usually the covers have to be solicited before the story is finished. Sure. Um, so usually it's like, holy shit, what's going to happen? One more word balloons. Batman on 73. Yeah. You're like, um, Bat- it's going to be Batman and he- he's going to f- fight the croc. Okay. Then that's it. And you put- so you don't have time. Like you look at Watchmen, like every cover is a, a close up of the first panel and the back is the ticking clock. Like that stuff. It's hard to do that stuff anymore. So we're trying to do something like that where, since Mitch and Doc are doing a cover each, those covers talk to each other, right? So that they're kind of 
the same image reflected back at each other. So I think we're going to stick with that formula. Oh, okay. I, I, I love sure that, that, that the first uh, uh, issue's cover spoke to the story so specifically because you don't see that a lot anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm doing a series now, which I haven't announced yet because who knows when you're going to announce things anymore. But I've written all 12 issues up front. So that's, I think that's going to be a big... There are rumors. <laughs> yeah, there are rumors. <laughs> uh, so we'll see how... That's the first time I've done that where we're so far ahead we can do some of that sort of watch mini stuff where we do stuff in the back and the front that sort of talks yeah. the story. Uh, tell me about Lee Weeks working with him. I I love his work. I love God, what he did on Batman with you. I I, I just I, everything he does now. I just I follow him on Instagram just to see <laughs> anything that he does. I just want to see him draw more. He's so awesome. Yeah, Lee Lee is. I mean, Lee's amazing because he's been around forever. But he never got the credit he deserved. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy who followed I me, mean, not to, almost very closely followed Frank on Daredevil. I mean, you're a big Daredevil guy, so yeah. you probably know that. But, um, Ink by Al Williamson. Jeez. Like <laughs> uh, wow. And, um, it was some of so, my favorite. That was some of my favorite Daredevil stuff. Oh yeah, the Fall of the Kingpin. That yeah, stuff. That's cool yeah. stuff, man. Um, I your depth of comics appreciation you know it almost comes back to the base thing where there's a lot of baseball players now who like who willie mays is <laughs> you, you know what i mean and it's like you know you have an incredible depth of of book appreciation and do you find that that other comic creators you know the newer the the new kids up you know, do they have that same kind of like connection to the generations before them? The lifers do. The lifers do. Yeah. The, 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 you the know, the, the Bendises and, yeah. you know, Donny Cates and um, Gail Simone and um, the guys, the, the people who are, the, but the people who dip in and out, some, the, some of those, like, you know, some of those guys don't, yeah. I always think it should be a requirement. Like, here's a hundred comics you have to read before you write your first comic. Gardner, like, Gardner Fox was terrible, but you should love him. God damn it! <laughs> you should have read at least one Gardner Fox comic before oh, you hey, start. You know that brings up a good question. We had we've posed to a couple of people, and now it, it came up. Uh, what if if you had to recommend like two or three trades or two or three story arcs of Batman for someone? That uh, hasn't yeah. read it. What would you? What would be the stories of Batman that you would recommend? The and you can pick question, and you can pick your own. But you know, no, don't no, don't. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, this is the dumbest. Everyone has the same answer for this. You, you got the best Batman stories are Dark Knight Returns and Year One, and it's fucking depressing. <laughs> That's actually the hardest thing about writing Batman is that Frank wrote the perfect Batman. Like yeah. you can never. But I can write the perfect dude, Adam Strange. I can Adam Strange. No one's written a great Adam Strange story. I hope so I can be the first one. Um, but like, uh, if you can't write better than how Frank Miller wrote Year One and, and DKR, those are just absolute perfect stories. Yeah. Um, but well, I, but I the feel question like isn't necessarily well. write a better Rorschach story. Yeah, no, just like that. They tried <laughs> that. It didn't quite work. Uh, the question isn't though necessarily what are the best stories. What are the best stories for someone that has hasn't read Batman? Yeah, what what would you, you know what I mean? Like say, what an introduction yeah, to Batman. Pick, 
pick and, three Batman stories. Because I don't know. It's like, this is Batman, three stories. I think you could read both of those stories as introductions. I, I mean, year one, obviously, is super easy to read. It's his freaking origin sure. story. Um, and and Mazzucchelli's art is so clean, and it's told in that it, six-panel it, grid. It's super Tom, easy. It's the, to, it's the middle story that everyone gets hung up on because it's year one and DKR. So it's what's the middle story? I mean, that depends on how, like, like to me, the, the, the other masterpiece of Batman is the Inglehart Rogers stuff from the late seventies, but that's like, it's a little dated. Like, I'm not sure you're going to come to that fresh as a modern reader and love right. it. You have to kind of have some context to it. Um, so if you had to pick like one other just standalone, that's tough. I'm looking back at my Batman collection. I mean, I mean, Tim Sale, Jeff Lopes stuff, probably. I, I mean, I guess you'd read Hush. I guess I'd go to Hush because it's just so that was Hush. Hush Long it's, Halloween was kind of. Yeah, yeah, I, see, I, I, I like I, I like I like Tim Sale. I couldn't be more big fan of Tim Sale. I've uh, his in my wall, but I think if I was a new reader, there's no one's art is easier to, is easier to get why it's good than Jim Lee. Um, that's just everyone knows. You look at Jim Lee art, you're like, oh, that's good art. Like if you've never seen anything before <laughs> oh. in your life. So I think yeah, Hush would probably be the easiest sort of thing to approach. And it's sure. got everybody in it. It's classic and. It's a little murder mystery. So. I was I went back and I was reading some uh, nineteen late nineteen sixties, early nineteen seventies, and even before Batman. I was just like, I haven't read enough stuff outside of my own like age and like my own <laughs> generation of stuff. And slacker, yeah, you know. But I was laughing. There's a I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there was a. There was a story about Batman where it was like a an alternate universe kind of, but they didn't really explain it that way. And in it, though, Bruce Wayne retires and his son takes over as Batman 2. Oh, this is another one I was thinking of. Yeah, I, I mean, I know these stories. But yeah. And he, he literally gives him a costume that has a big Roman numeral Yeah, it has a number two on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of fucking narcissist <laughs> passes the mantle to his son, but he has to make sure everyone is aware? Like, this, <laughs> this is, is the not second the one. Real one. Not the original. I'm like, that's, that was interesting. I'm like, what could you do with that? You could play with that a little bit. <laughs> you, you you wonder at these... Bro- did, did, were they in on the joke? Did they know? Like, I... I don't know. I, you you just, go back and read the Golden Age, and it, you're like, "Oh, Wortham was right. They have Batman and Robin are sleeping in the same bed, and he's wearing little yes." Yeah, like, do do it's not all there. The it's all there. Absolutely. No, it is. It is interesting though. Like I love and and I wanted to ask you about that because you you play with sort of the the meta. Textual. One of my favorites. What are we looking? Oh at, yeah, Chris? Neil Adams. Yeah, oh, gorgeous. For Wow. Pick a pick a long shot. Neil Adams, Batman, yeah. That's a <laughs> But I don't think you could give Neil Adams Batman to a new reader. I, I think it's written this I mean was, it's it's good. dollars when it came out. It's amazing. <laughs> Two dollars for the whole trade. It's a slog. Come on. It's you no, it's it it couldn't be more beautiful and, and it's beautiful. <laughs> I think a new reader would have again 
Comics don't age as well as other materials. Some comics do, but they don't. Some do. Some. You know what I found is that um, when I go back and read like the DC Treasury stuff, uh, you want to read stuff that ages well. Read Jonah Hex. Yeah, you're right. Jonah Hex reads good. I I, I agree with you with that. Yeah, Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex and Conan Sergeant Rock. read really well. Even yeah, Sergeant for- Rock. Yeah, oddly, Robert Kennedy, who was not really known as a great writer, his stuff aged a lot better than a lot of the other writers around him. I don't well, know if Westerns age better, but... They're they, period pieces, so it's like you're not reading yeah. them in today's context. You're reading a Jonah Hex book, it's the Wild West. A Western still works. I don't think that works. they were writing Jonah Hex comics for, like, 12-year-olds, either. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, a lot of these guys were yeah. guys, like, guys trying to make a living, but they were trying to make a living by selling comics to children, so they were purposely dumbing down their material, um, and... Uh, and in dumbing that down, I think they're like carry about. I don't. But then again, there's always like I've, I was reading recently the Superman Lois Lane, the Lois Lane issues. Like I got them right here. The, the, is he awesome? Uh, this is. I could not tell you how entertaining this comic was. It was the most sexist thing I've ever written in my life. But I, every page, <laughs> oh, I yeah. wanted. I was like, Man, Wonder Woman and Lois Lane are having a karate fight to determine who will win Superman's love. I want to see how this turns out amazing <laughs> have you read fractions um uh jimmy olsen series i have i have yeah it's, it's so good, good. it's so it's, fun it's so fraction being yes. fraction and i love that they finally have him on a book that is something that is is his fucking personality i was just reading that yeah just reading it today and i was like it, it feels almost like a like a glass of, of lemonade or something it just feels it's amazing it's, it's just so yeah. good it it's, is yeah. so good i agree with you i, I highly yeah. endorse that speaking of sexist uh <laughs> speaking of sexism <laughs> i was what i do now no, <laughs> no. <laughs> i've been watching like 70s heist movies actually like 50s <gasps> 60s and 70 heist movies but i'm into it I just watched um, uh, Pelham One Two Three with my. That's daughter, what I just watched. Because I, I, I just watched so good the sneeze. Oh my the god! It's and the look that he gives at the, the, look, very, yeah. the last scene, just like <laughs> they kind of. But uh, it's like the beginning of that. You know, the, he, he's like walking up those uh, the 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 like the group of guys from Japan. He's like, yeah. and he's just he's being so racist. Oh my god! It's oh god. so racist. It's terrible. It's just. <laughs> You're like, this is acceptable at one point. <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm so hard. terrible. It's it's amazing to go back to some of that stuff and oh. watch it and just like be, oh God, I how did how did we ever think this was okay? I mean, how did how did we ever it, We're wa- we're watching all 70s and 80s TV shows now. Um uh, besides like great British baking show, which is my we watch that every lunchtime. Great British baking show. It's our oasis of the day. But I watched that show. I'm into it. We'll talk to you about some tarts. We start the day with uh, Murder She Wrote and <laughs> uh, Charlie's Angels. That's our 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And then we start our work day. And then we watch Magnum P.I. Dude, you are the get, oldest yep. couple ever. Well, that's all yep. that's on in Milwaukee, though, right? Like, that's. Just broadcast on the walkie. Like, seriously, I walk downstairs, I make my tea, I have Earl Grey tea, Murder's watching Murder She Wrote, and then we watch Charlie's Angels. And then you we should go just end it. To our offices, you should just... We work, we come back at lunchtime, I make Sad. lunch, we watch the, the great British baking show. We watch that, and then in the afternoon, 
we come I will back, say this. you watch Magnum P.I. I will say this about the Great British Baking Show is that I do appreciate the fact that because it's British, it, it doesn't have the same cutthroat feeling of the it's American amazing. baking it's shows. A, They're all very nice. It's an of love. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but more often than not, there's at least one contestant uh, that I can't fucking understand. I, I know they're oh, speaking they're English, Scotland. but they're from Scotland. <laughs> they have closed captioning. <laughs> they're from Scotland. Yeah. Look at that. Pacing up all the Scottish listeners. Jeez. I love Scotland. It's my favorite country. I would, if I could. Oh, now you piss off all the American listeners. Jeez, fuck you, you, man. I I fought for this country, motherfucker. If I could retire and fuck off all of you, if I retire and open, I would. Jesus. (laughs) In a fucking bog somewhere in Scotland? There's a distillery there. How is Scotland your your favorite? What is wrong with you? There's a distillery. There's distilleries everywhere. And a curling club. Jesus. Oh, I forgot about the curly. <laughs> I'm starting to hope you get coronavirus at this point. I'm starting. Flashback. I didn't say that. That was. Somebody. I'm a very good curler, Tom. All right, it's midnight. I have to go to sleep soon. Any All last right. questions? All right. Yeah, I, I I was supposed to cut this off seven minutes ago. Oh, oh did mommy you. tell you you had to Tom, go home? Tom, I'm just, to bed? just out there. Anytime, come back and talk with us. Oh, you are more than welcome. That cannot. And I'm, I'm not. I got sentimental beginning. I get sentimental at the end. Honestly, guys, I cannot thank you enough for the hard work you put into it. It in every way changed my life. The guy, the effort you guys put into this show, and the passion you found in the comics, and it helped me renew my passion. I'm, I'm, I'm eternally grateful. Thank you. Don't get weepy, on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get weepy. If Tom was here, I would cry. <laughs> How well, about, I, how about next time we'll we'll get Tom back on and and you can come back and be a return guest. Oh yeah. I don't know. Tom's too smart for me. It's too funny. I'll feel bad. <laughs> he slowed down a know. bit in his old age. Kids are slowed taking down. it out of him. Yeah, he's really okay. slowed down. The, the not... kids have fucking worn it out of him. Yeah. All right, then that's good. All right. As yeah. long as I get slow he's, Tom, I'm yeah. good. He, well, he he is a shell. He's a shell of <laughs> yeah, his beat them self. Down. I just want to say, if you ever want an awkward moment, be in the CIA in your fucking room and you burst into laughter, and someone's like, "What are you laughing at, man?" Oh, dude, you should have fucking heard what Tom said about the goddamn Justice Society. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, get me out of this fucking place. <laughs> well, we can't. We could not have a better legacy, honestly, for this no. silly fucking podcast than the fact if we had anything to do with. You're becoming a uh, a comic book writer, and I have to honestly say that you are one of my favorite comic book writers uh, working oh. today. Honestly, I, that, great. That's... Now I'm gonna cry. No, I gotta be more manly. <laughs> Chris set the bar when he said he watches Murder She Wrote when he woke up. So you know, I gotta live up to that man <laughs> yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Angela Lansbury sets <laughs> oh, a fucking bar that I expect Tom King to. Okay, here comes the watch. outro. And it's coming here. Here we go. Yeah, we're we're just starting yeah. that outro right yeah. now. It's, it's been nice. All right, Tom King, thank you so much for joining us. We um, appreciate it. Thank you all. Don't forget to subscribe to this wonderful podcast, please. In in the meantime, in between time, we'll be everywhere in and around and around comics. Yeah, baby, oh that's right. We will. <laughs>
Comics. Dark Side is...